0: Welcome Auburn into the
1: Tuesday edition of Sports Call Live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LaVoy, the host of the show. Today I've got Brooks Childress and Tom Peavy with me, as I certainly appreciate Brooks and the gang for filling in yesterday on the Monday show. Took some phone calls, talked to everyone about the Auburn and Ole Miss game on Saturday, which we will continue to do on this program today as we try to analyze again what are some ways that Auburn can fix what has been going wrong for them in the various uh, deficiencies offensively. So we'll continue to go over that. Uh, we'll have Justin Ferguson on at 3.30 as he will look ahead with us towards the Mississippi State game this weekend and continue to talk all things Auburn. We'll also talk uh, some other football items today in the college football world as a, as a, a whole after the guys talked a little bit about the SEC yesterday. So we'll talk some big-time college football topics. Also do about 10 or 15 minutes. Uh, I know uh, Tom probably set this one out. We'll do 10 or 15 minutes on the NBA as it starts today. <laughs> and uh, we'll, again, go over the Auburn guys in the NBA and just a very brief preview for everyone as the National Basketball Association tips off today. So we'll get that in at some point this afternoon of course all of your phone calls on the orthopedic clinic phone line at 334-887-3401 locally or toll free 1-888-9-TIGER9 again Justin Ferguson coming up at 3 30 looking forward to chatting with him and looking forward to chatting with all of our callers as always Ryan, Brooks, and Tom with you here on this Tuesday. Brooks, again, thank you for filling in in the host seat yesterday. How are you this afternoon?
2: I am doing great. It's great to be back on this side of the table, although I, I do enjoy my time uh, in, in the host chair whenever it comes open. Uh, but, yeah, it was uh, a great day yesterday, great day last night. Watched the, uh, the Houston Astros get lose in the Game 7 of the ALCS.
1: That was great indeed. Uh, yeah.
2: And so you know, it's uh, it was such a fun game to watch. Uh, hopefully tonight's other game seven is uh, just as good. And hopefully, uh, I know a lot of folks around here, Braves fans, hope it goes uh, the way of the Arizona Diamondbacks. I know the uh, it wouldn't be the best for media ratings if it was Diamondbacks Rangers, but you know who cares? It's uh, it'd be a uh, it would be a great, uh, great showdown between those two teams that fought their way out of the wild card round uh, and are able to both upset some pretty good, uh, m- pretty big teams. Uh, Arizona was able to uh, beat the Diamondbacks and the DS, and not the Arizona was able to beat the Dodgers in the yes. DS. They didn't beat themselves. Uh, and then the the Rangers were able to beat the the Orioles in the in the DS. And so it's a big. Uh, it's a big, uh, big series tonight. Could be a big World Series. Uh, we got some college football on tonight, so you know I'm excited about it. Uh, and uh, it's just a great day to to uh, talk sports with you guys.
1: Tom PV also
3: on the show today. Tom, how are you, man? I'm good. Uh, did I see the stat? Major League Baseball. It's the first time in seven years that the World Series will not have either the Dodgers or the Astros. I think I can you're right. I believe it. I think that's yeah. right. I think it's the first World Series in, seven yeah. years, in the last seven years. Because
1: Astros won last year. The year before was the Braves over, or, over, the, over Astros. the Astros. The year before that, the Dodgers won it in the COVID year. And then I think you had two straight Astros. You had the Dodgers losing to the Astros one year, like 18 right. or something yeah. like that. I, but, I don't know. I can believe it. Yeah, yeah
3: but I, I I saw that stat yesterday that I, I think the the number was right, seven. I think this is the first time in seven years that you will not either have the Dodgers or Astros in the World Series. That's pretty darn impressive. But, uh, yeah, great day. Beautiful day outside. I know you're our resident weather guy, so I'll leave the weather to you. But it is uh, a beautiful day.
1: No, I think anyone can do so. This is a pretty
3: comfortable day. It is, yeah. it is a very comfortable day. Not too hot, not too cold. Nice, sunshiny day. Uh, it's a good day to be outside doing something, but uh, – yeah, we talked a lot about yesterday about all the sports stuff, uh, mainly with Auburn and, you know, just kind of dissecting a little bit of it. We'll get more into that Uh yeah, it's just a it's a good day. A lot of stuff going on, a lot of stuff to talk about.
2: The uh, I looked it up to confirm the last time there was not a World Series that featured either the Astros or the Dodgers was 2016. Cubs beat the Indians in seven. So 2016.
1: Okay. Yep. Wow. So that, uh, that's, that, that's been a while.
2: Every <laughs> other year it's been Dodgers and Astros or both.
1: Yeah, if you felt tired yeah. of the two, uh, you were very justified in that. That was a long stretch there. Yeah. And uh, the Phillies will now – try to make it two in a row going to the world series if they can beat the dimex also read the phillies have never been in a game seven before in their postseason history so new territory for a uh, older franchise there tonight uh as uh, the yeah I, I was driving up last night uh from florida after going in uh going to tampa again this weekend and um i i checked the score just once when i when i stopped for gas last night and it was eight to two in the fourth and I was like, oh, my goodness, what in the world did Texas, uh, Houston get into giving up that many runs early? I was very, very excited about that. Uh, so we'll see if that one, uh, if the Phillies tonight uh, can salvage it on behalf of the favored teams or if it is really going to be uh, the Diamondbacks and the Rangers. But the Rangers did punch their ticket to the World Series last night. And, uh, yeah, the one weather thing there, Tom, is this is actually going to be uh, and I'm using air quotes. The coolest day for like the next five or six days. I mean, back in the mid 80s by yeah. the end of the weekend. So, it, but then it's supposed to drop right. Yeah, after it'll you, it'll man. be a big cold front right around Halloween, just after Halloween. But yeah. but next week or so, gonna be a little warm. Yeah, uh, more on the toasty side. And, Of course, everyone in the state still kind of in a little bit of a drought. And this October, actually, I don't know if you know uh, people know this. October is actually the usually the driest month of the year right. uh, for Alabama. So it's not shocking that it's dry. But of course, we were a little on the dry side coming in the months. So it all accumulates. So there's some uh, weather reports for you. Uh, But let's get uh, to the task at hand, which is, of course, college football. And it is the Auburn Tigers. There will be a uh, recruit to talk about in a little bit. There was a commitment yesterday just after the show, so we'll talk about that a little bit later too. But still want to talk more about uh, what happened with the, the product on the field, Auburn and Ole Miss, on Saturday night. Interesting from the fact that as poorly as Auburn played offensively, still hanging around, not a blowout, one touchdown game, you know was winnable at times, and then got away from a little bit at the end. Uh, Even still, though, what's funny is that touchdown. You know they had a drive before that where they had gotten to the 27 and an interception, so Auburn was, I think, more in the game than it felt like. Uh, for sure, but still going down 28-21. Again, record not shocking for all of us. I think we all had so, about a seven-win team, six to seven, eight-win team, somewhere there. Yeah. And so being three and four is not shocking given the stretch you're on. It's just the optics of it, which obviously we're going to get into now with the offense, where it is just it is it, you have an expectation for it and then you actually see it play out. And it just kind of smacks you in the face as just like, what? what is this? What What? what, in, the, what in the heck is this? Um, and then again, it, it gets into the part where these games are not as uncompetitive. The LSU game was uncompetitive, but these games were not as uncompetitive as you might think based off one side of the ball, and that's because the defense has played pretty good, uh, pretty well, other than the, the LSU game, which, which will happen from time to time when you play LSU's offense this year. But, um, okay, so we know the issues. We know Auburn continues to play two quarterbacks. We know that there continues to be not a whole lot of rhyme nor reason to it. And I think that's actually gotten worse, honestly. I, I would say that it is getting le- less understanding of when the two play because it'll, it it was back to kind of the cow stuff where it was just mid middle of a drive or a play here and a play there. And uh, that, that, that's something that's uh, continues to be a huge issue. We know just everything pertaining to the passing game is an issue. And we know that running the football is 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 a, it's solid. It's decent. It's just when you need it to be awesome because the passing game is so bad and it's not awesome, it's like, well, there's still more to do there. If, a, if this was a normal offense they were running for, what did they run for against Ole Miss, a buck 53? It's like, okay, that's in the realm of being acceptable, fine. Uh, but really, their rushing attack was one awesome run, and that was about it, honestly. Um, and, and so anyway, that almost everything's a problem. It'd be easier to tell you what wasn't a problem. So let's start with this show with what do you want to see differently? What are the fixes in your minds to all the problems? And what things are not fixable at this point, seven games into the season? Oh, boy. Um, I know, but we got all day. We yeah. got all day.
3: You know, the the, the thing is, the, the offense just feels so broken that I can't just – it would just be easy for me to say, well, fix the passing game. Well, yeah. With what? Um, sure, yeah. exactly. Um, I, <sighs> nothing is working, and that's the thing. Is There's no deep shots. They've tried that. That hasn't worked. They've tried the quick slants over the middle – that's not consistent enough. They've tried screens. They can't. The wide receivers can't block on the edges for screens, so that has failed. Uh, mid-range passes, those have failed. I, there's not really anything in the passing game that I, said, that I can sit there and look at and go, well, you know, that worked. I wish we could exploit that a little bit more. You know, maybe, okay, maybe some more 50-50 balls to a big guy like Fairweather. Maybe that's what you have to do. But they've been doing that, and that hasn't really worked. So, in the passing game, I really don't know Um, because nothing has worked. Like, absolutely nothing has worked consistently enough that you can go, that's what they need to focus on. They need to focus on the whole damn thing. That's what that boils down to. Now, in the running game, I think it needs to be, I I really think they need to do more true RPO type stuff. I, I don't think there's been enough of that. I think they've been trying to do a little bit here and there. Um, but then you've got to – you have to uh, execute it the, the proper way. Um, I think Hugh Freeze said himself that, you know, the first play of the game that, that went for – I guess it went for a loss. That was, you know, should have been a handoff and not a keeper. There's another one uh, that I've seen on Twitter where uh, Jarquez runs the wrong way on, yeah, a, on a play. Yeah, i seen that one too that causes a a, a hit for a loss. And so these are the execution things that have got to happen. But if you're going to run that true RPO, then it's got to be executed right. I think, though, that that's going to be your best opportunity to get stuff done is true run pass option. And it needs to be true run pass option, not looking like RPO and it's a design quarterback keeper or a design run play. It needs to be true RPO, a true read the end, make the decision, have a pass option off of that. I I really think that that's where this uh, offense may be able to find some success, not just the designed. We're going to give it to Jarquez. We're going to keep it with Robbie. There needs to be option A, B, and C in this whole thing, and I think they might be able to find some success there. And then also the tempo, I think, and that's one thing that Hugh Freeze has talked about is he is so used to doing tempo, and I think that tempo may help them out. But, again, I think that needs to be more off of that true RPO and not just a design a, a designated design run play or designed keeper play. Run the RPO, keep the defense on their toes, and they're not really sure what's going to happen, and use that tempo to where you're keeping them on their toes. So I, I really think that's where they might be able to find some success, and that might actually open up some passing windows as well. So you want more RPO, want more tempo.
1: Yes. Now with what quarterback? <laughs> yeah, there's well, so many. Again, I mean, th- there's a multitude. of no, no,
3: Honestly, uh, Caleb Williams, yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah, Michael Penix, well. Bo Nix, or Earl. I, You know, I, <laughs> honestly, though, I mean, I, if I I don't like, I don't really, I don't like either of the option. I, I just don't like either option. But I feel like if you're going to run a true RPO, then I think Robbie Ashford is the guy that has to do it. Um, I think that right, – uh, now Peyton Thorne has shown that he can run, but Robbie can run better. Um, they're both – they both stink at throwing the ball. So, I, you know, that's just kind of a draw there. So I think in that case you have to put your better runner on the field. Uh, I think that in a true RPO situation, Robbie provides more of a threat. Than, than Peyton Thorn does and so I would have to go with Robbie and then he is also able to, to pass just enough that if it does open up for a, a pass on that RPO then he can at least get the ball out there I mean he's not going he's not going to try to throw it 15 yards and it's only going to go five I mean he, he might throw it 20 yards instead of 15 there's a problem there but you know he can at least get the ball there Um so yeah, I think I I think I'd have to go with Robbie on that one. If you if you're running true RPO tempo, I'm using my air quotes. If you're running the Gus Malzon style <laughs> offense, yeah, then the mid to yeah, mid then 20 then, 20 minutes, then yeah. Yeah. Robbie Ashford has got to be your guy.
1: All right, Brooks. Same same stuff to you. Um, we know the problems. What solutions do you see, or what would you want them to try? Personnel style everything give it to me
2: you see something that i've noticed these past few weeks is they are trying to get running backs more involved in the past game as well as the tight ends a little bit more involved in the past game obviously not it's not working with the wide receivers like tom you ran through everything there it just nothing is stuck you you've thrown every you've you've literally done what you say throw everything at the wall see what sticks well you know what nothing did so put it back in the pot Let's try to keep uh let's try to keep boiling that water a little bit and, and see if that pasta cooks a little bit longer. But I, I think that you've gotta in the past game you gotta work those tight ends a little bit more. You gotta work those running backs into it a little bit more. I do really like the idea of getting more uh RPOs into there, but the problem is is if you're you know, it unless it's wide open, either of these quarterbacks, I really don't trust you in the P part of that. Yeah. No, um yeah. it's I think you need to go a little bit more, if, if you're going to go Robbie Ashford, I think you need to go, what and you hit on it there at the end, Tom, I think you need to go a little bit more read option instead of RPO, where it's, hey, you've got Jarquez, or you've got Brian Batty, or you've got Jeremiah Cobb in the backfield. All right, this defend, defensive end's crashing down on, I'm going to pull it, I'm Robbie, I'm going to pull it, I'm going to go the other way. I, I think you need a little bit more RPO into it, or not RPO, read option into it, um, where where Robbie carries a little bit more. Then you throw a little bit more RPO when when the teams start be, start to, you know, crash in and be like, all right, we're going to take this hole away. You're like, all right, well, I'll, I'll just pull it out and throw it here. Um, I, I think that, you know, getting those those two position groups involved, the tight ends and the, the running backs involved in the passing game, a little bit more here down the stretch needs to happen. I think you need a little bit more read option stuff here. Um, and then quarterback-wise, honestly, I just – I don't know if it matters – I think here's what you do. You, you decide on who your starter's going to be. Like, this past weekend, you know, it was kind of weird. They announced Peyton Thorne as a starter on the Jumbotron pregame, but then Robbie Ashford trotted out there for the first place. So technically, he was the starting quarterback. Um, you stick with one for a drive. If that drive doesn't do anything, then you put the other one out there, and you, you don't pull them. I am middle drive. I, I'm, I'm, I don't know about these packages stuff. I know that, you know, once you get in the red zone, it can work. But, you know, rotating quarterbacks in and out willy-nilly, you know, it's the gif of, uh, of Michael Jordan saying, stop it. Get, Get some, some help. help. That's, <laughs> what we, that's what needs to happen here. You need to stop it. Get some help. Let one quarterback run the whole drive, see where it goes, and then the other one go out there. If, the, if you're not happy with how that quarterback does, put the other one out there uh, and, and, see how, uh, and see how he fares. But it's just something's got to change. And you know, it's 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 gonna be it's it's rough. It is like we've talked about it, it's so so rough on that offensive side of the ball.
1: Yeah, they they've really backtracked again in the the quarterback rotation part of it because they'd gotten to the point around a Texas M game where there were they were pretty much willing to see one guy for one half with a play or two. For Ashford, they were basically like, okay, Thorne's gonna play the entire first half, and he did, and he didn't do it well. He played one drive of the third quarter, and then it was basically just Ashford until Gardner on the last drive or two, whatever that was. And then Georgia, you saw it was predominantly Peyton Thorne, but you had the package for Ashford, and that would come in from drive to drive depending on the situation. But then we've now progressed into LSU, there was some swapping. And now, oh, at this game, it was back to kind of closer to the Cal, even more so than Cal, where it was just like, I don't know which play which quarterback's going to play. Yeah. It, it really did not have no, a rhyme or reason to it. It was not, okay, they got to the 25-yard line, time for the Robbie package. Or, all right, third and one, here's Ashford. It was, no, first and ten, Robbie. Second and six, Peyton. Third and, third and four, Peyton. Or, you know, first and ten, Robbie. Second and six, Robbie. Third and two, Peyton. It just it didn't... It didn't really have what seemed to be a linear thought process to when the two would play. It was we're going it was almost like you were going to try to surprise the defense in theory by which quarterback was playing and which which snap and which down and distance. And of course that's just not something that you ever want to be able to do. But the problem is, and I try to understand the thought process, even if I don't agree with it, which I do not. I do not agree with playing two quarterbacks in that manner. Really, I don't love – I've still seen very few situations where two quarterbacks has actually worked, even in a very controlled environment. So I'm really – I'm not 100% opposed, but I'm damn near close. Uh, I But I still try to understand where someone's coming from, and here's where Freeze and, and the offensive staff is coming from. Neither quarterback's any good, and yet they're different. So they're a different kind of, of – I don't want to say. Yeah, I'll say bad. They're a different kind of bad. <laughs> I was yeah, about to say no, they're, they're a different kind of bad. I can't miss it. Yeah. I was
2: gonna say. But, I was about to say. If you're not gonna say it, I will. Right.
1: They're a different kind of bad, and so they di- They do different things poorly, and they do some of the same things poorly. But when their their style of quarterback is different, and so what you're trying to figure out is you if you're gonna play someone for the whole game and try to maximize what they do less poorly. Then, can you actually flourish enough with that for 60 minutes? And what they've thought of is the answer is no. We can't, we just can't figure that out. Now, Auburn to some degree last year was able to figure out how to at least get some sort of steady footing with Asher playing entire games last year. And again, it wasn't awesome. In their SEC win, they scored 13. They obviously scored more in the Iron Bowl where they lost, but. Uh, you know, they did win a conference game and they scored 20-something in Tuscaloosa. So, again, that, that was, it's not a lot, but it was something. And so that's what leads me to say where I was last week, which was I prefer Ashford to be in the whole game. But, again, when you do stuff, like not know, not be on the same page when you and your running back and you turn left and Hunter went right and now you have to scramble left and you can't outrun the linebacker, you lose four yards. That was an important situation. That was tied at 14. That was early third quarter. You were near midfield. You had like second and medium, like second and four or second and three and you lost four yards on that. Like that's a sequence where you're one or two first downs away from field goal range and you could end up taking a lead in the second half and the momentum that that brings. And you just, and you didn't even turn the right way, and like that's that's not a, I can't, I can tell you the right thing, a hundred times, but that does not guarantee that you will do that correctly, and so that's an Ashford and Hunter dilemma there, and another Ashford problem was the interception, where he clearly just decided I'ma throw this deep ball no matter what. It was covered perfectly. The the man coverage was there and the deep safety help came over as he should, and it was an easy interception. So it's like I can't I can tell you the right thing so many times, but if you're gonna make two decisions like that once in the run game, once in the pass game, you've covered your bases in terms of he is bound to make a poor decision at any moment. And then with Peyton Thorne, we've known time and time again there are or there are issues in the passing game, some beyond his control. But he has also made it hard at times because he doesn't process things quickly and he doesn't find the rant. The, he, he's not willing to try to throw someone open. He's not willing to try to th- make the tight window stuff. And so what i'm saying basically is they've all shown all their problems in the various ways and then thorn obviously has the built-in problem of he is a okay runner but obviously he has some athletic disadvantages there he's not the fleetest of foot he's not the shiftiest so there's going to be certain limitations there already built into it so it's like you already see very obvious problems that the coaches see and we all see that make it hard to build a full game plan of plays around the guys. Like I again, I don't agree with it. I think you should still rock with somebody. But I see where they're coming from because nobody does enough well to be comfortable with 70 offensive plays in a game. Uh, Because, even again, like I said, even with Ashford's specialty, he's still turning the wrong way from time to time. And you can give someone all the RPOs and and all these things, but if these guys are not making correct decisions, then you can't trust them to make the correct run or pass decision all the time. And then when someone like Peyton Thorne, who does make the right decision in a one-on-one passing attempt, like a fade down the sideline or whatever, these guys don't win the 50-50 battles. So, again, it is... It is maddening because we come up with what we hope are solutions, but there's nothing guaranteed to work. Mm. Like the, it, There's no, like, this is absolutely the A-plus answer here. You're going to get full credit. Awesome. You found it. Uh, they are grasping at straws, and and it's because there's an issue everywhere. There's an issue with receivers. There's really two issues with receivers, sometimes getting open but then also not winning a contested catch, even though there's big-bodied receivers on this team. Again, with offensive line, it's fine. It's not awesome, though. It has its breakdowns. It has missed assignments from time to time. Quarterbacks make poor decisions. Uh, Running backs are not – they're kind of falling under the category. Hunter, I know, had the big carry. But they're kind of falling under the category of they're kind of just getting what they're given. They're not able to make a 5-yard run, a 10-yard run right now. They're not able to make a 3-yard run, a 7-yard run, that type of thing. And so you're just kind of stuck with – a bunch of problems with solutions that may or may not actually be on the team and with a fundamentally different approach needed to what they've been doing but when you can see why they're hesitant to change that approach so we're going to continue to get into it uh, throughout the show today but we do need to take our first time out when we come back Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer will join us we'll ask him some of these pressing questions about what, if any, solutions are available to the Auburn offense ahead of a winnable game against Mississippi State this Saturday. You're listening to the Tuesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
0: Looking for another way to listen to our show? Be sure to download the Tiger Communications app and listen to Sports Call wherever you go the Atlanta Falcons are back in the hunt for a playoff berth and you can come along for the ride. Tune in to your exclusive home in East Alabama for the Atlanta Falcons. Tiger 95.9 This new look team has their eyes set on the playoffs and you don't want to miss a single second of the action. Coverage from the Atlanta Falcons radio network begins two hours before kickoff. It's another action packed season of Atlanta Falcons' football on your home for the nfl in lee county tiger
2: 95.9 brought to you locally by the orthopedic clinic peak insurance telepusa river electric cooperative and troy bank and trust
3: this is Tim Sin, voice of the Borgard Hornets, inviting you to join me and the rest of the broadcast crew for another exciting season of Hornet football on Tiger 95.9. The Hornets are once again led by head coach Justin Jones and are hungry for another trip to the playoffs. Coverage of the Hornets begins 30 minutes before kickoff every game day. So don't miss a single second of Borgard football action on Tiger 95.9. Brought to you by Southeastern Lamb Group, Troy Bank & Trust, Tiger Iron Gym, TK's Convenience Stores, and Glenn Smith's shop. Cadillac, GMC, and Opelika. Kid ready to smile.
0: Now back to Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call.
1: Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger ninety-five point nine, the Tiger on FM, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan Lavoy, Tom Peavy, and Brooks Childress with you here on this Tuesday afternoon. And now we go to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line, and we welcome on Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer. Justin, how are you this afternoon?
4: I'm doing all right. How are you
1: Doing very well. So obviously a lot to talk about from this past Saturday with Auburn and Ole Miss. Again, a lot of the same problems rearing their head. Uh, Let's start quarterbacks, obviously, Ferg. Uh, Again, a, a rotation that did not seem to make sense to many over the weekend. What did you make of it?
4: Yeah, I mean, I think Auburn just isn't confident in, in, in either quarterback to kind of run the full offense or run it for the entirety of the game right now. Um, they like some of what happens when Robbie Astrid's in the game, and they like some of what happens when Peyton Dorn's in the game. And so, um, you know, at this point in the year, they, they kind of feel like this is their best option. And, and that's as strange and as weird as that sounds uh, and how it looks on the field. That's kind of the situation they're in. It seems like they're going to continue to go in that direction. Um, maybe not as rotationally as it was against Ole Miss. It's kind of back and forth a lot more than we had seen in the past. But um, you know, it's 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 a it's a tough spot to be in because I think you want to have some of the some of the strength that you get with you know Ashford in the game, but you want to be able to to throw the ball downfield. And it looks like this coaching staffs more confident in Peyton Thorne's ability to do that. And so it's just, it's been back and forth. Um, We talked to both of the quarterbacks today, you know, they admitted that it's not normal, Um, but, you know, I think both of them said like, you know, it's not something that they use as an excuse or don't use as like a, a, you know, they're not able to get into the flow of the game or anything like that Uh, because of it. They just feel like they both need to execute what they're being asked to do better. Um, So we'll see if it's as, much of a rotation this Saturday as it was last Saturday. I think it's just Auburn just trying to find a spark and ride the hot hand when they get it. but when you don't really have any of a hot hand, they just kind of kept going back and forth with it and, and um, you know trying to see who could step up and really just didn't have much consistency there, and you know maybe, maybe that can turn around here in the, in the future, but it is, it is definitely a strange uh, you know and, and, and hard to decipher uh, rotation at times.
2: Justin I know that you know none of us here in the studio are, are football coaches uh, and you know not a lot of folks in the media have experience doing football coaching but uh, I want to ask you what what were your thoughts on play calling this past game
4: I think there were some that, that obviously were not you know didn't work out and they weren't good in those situations I go back to the double pass you know Auburn gets the ball to the 40 in a tie game um you know you're, you're nearing field goal range at that point and, and you call a play where if it hits it hits but if you know if if it gets blown up, it's it, you, you knock yourself out of field goal range, and it's it, it's a risk. It's, it's definitely a risk. I understand wanting to try to dial something up and create a big play, but you know obviously it's backfired. There's some short yardage plays where it feels like Auburn's just not very creative uh, on what they were doing with their short yardage stuff. Um, thought there were times during the game where they kind of abandoned the passing game, um, which is something you just can't do. Like I know I know plenty of Auburn fans are sitting there saying, "Well, you just need to run the ball." a ton and and uh, you know lean on it do kind of what you did in november last year with um, with robbie astro and, and i get that but i i do think you know you just you got to have some sort of balance you got to be able to at least have a threat to throw the ball downfield uh and i felt like when auburn went away from that um on saturday against old miss is when they were that offense really just started to grind in the dirt a little bit a lot of three and outs in a row so uh, you know, uh, there were some calls that were made that were good, um, that weren't executed. There were some calls that were made that were good that hit. Um, but yeah, there was, you know, there were there were uh, a decent amount of calls and decisions where it's just like it just feels like Auburn's just searching. They don't really have any flow or rhythm or continuity right now, and coaches are just kind of kind of feels like a dark throw sometimes. You're just like, all right, maybe this works, maybe this will work. And uh, when you're doing that and you don't have a whole lot of confidence right now in what what's going on, it. Makes it a whole lot tougher to, um, you know, get get those play calls.
2: Justin, do you think that Hugh Freeze gets more involved in play calling as the season goes uh, finishes out here?
4: I mean, he is involved. Uh, he did say he was involved a decent bit in the in the Robbie Astor pack, and specifically when they're in thirteen personnel, which is three tight ends. Um, yeah, I think you could see some more of that. Uh, he he's been very quick not to not to throw. Uh, Philip Montgomery under the bus. And I know there's a lot of Auburn fans that are very frustrated with Philip Montgomery and his play calling and, and, and just the way the offense has gone to this point. But I would be very quick to say Auburn's, when your offense is this bad right now, it, it's not all on one person. It's not all on one position group. Um, it's kind of an everything thing. And, yes, the coaches are the ones that uh, you know get the blame. They're the one who get paid money for this. But I, I do think you know, Hugh Freeze has been involved enough as a head coach in the offense over these last few weeks to make it seem like hey, this falls on him as well. Um, you know, so, so I think, yeah, he'll continue to be a part of the, the game plan. He did say this week that, you know, I asked him yesterday, I said, hey, what realistically do you think um, can get fixed about this offense at this point in the year? And he says, we, we can definitely be better, and it's going to be his goal for the week to, to figure that out and, and to and – to, um, you know, he said he, uh, that that was going to be his main goal for the week is just to figure out what's wrong on offense and how he can, how he can pick, like find ways to fix what's going on. And so I do think he's going to be more involved. But I do also don't think that is a indication of him losing faith in, you know, uh, Philip Montgomery or, you know, being on the verge of, you know, I know, I know Arkansas fired Danny Enos this, this weekend. Um, and I know Auburn, some Auburn fans were trying to ramp up for something like that. I, I, I don't I don't I don't get that vibe from, from Auburn at all right
3: now. Well Justin obviously everybody's talking about offense because that's what has been just struggling so bad. So unfortunately lost in that is how well the Auburn defense has played, uh outside of the one game obviously against LSU. But uh once again this this past weekend, a very valiant defensive effort against a high powered offense. So what is it that you're seeing from that defense that is being successful for Auburn?
4: they're they're doing a good job of getting stops and getting off the field when they need to this is not a great like down over down defense um this is you know per play numbers aren't fantastic like you're not going to sit here and, and call auburn's defense elite but they just have a knack for getting stops you know third downs they, they take advantage and get off the field uh, more often than not um they force turnovers um they create big plays They they i mean think about it i mean you go back in the Georgia game, and, and you know the you get the A and M game as well, um, where you score directly off the turnover. Georgia game, you you take advantage of two turnovers uh, to get your offensive touchdown. So, short field set up by a, by an interception in this pass game um, really helped Auburn. It's just that the defense is playing really good complementary football, and I think they've done a great job of helping those guys out on offense. You talk to these players and you talk to these coaches, you don't hear anything or see anything about. Finger pointing or putting the blame on one another. I think the vibes on this team are miles better than they were at this point last year. during a losing streak, and I, and I think it's I think it's the defense knowing that you know they got a job to do, and they're helping out their offense and trying to buy some time for them. And um, they're, they're playing really well. I thought also just big to get healthy. Uh, awesome Keys out there uh, on Saturday helps that linebacker rotation. to I think Scott making plays um, in his return, uh, and it just that helps out the, the nickel spot so well as well. So. I think this defense is getting healthy, and they got a wake-up call two weeks ago. I mean, they they they, they got torched by a pretty good, uh, pretty elite, I should say, um, LSU offense. And they felt like they let themselves down because, you know, it's one thing if the offense just carves you up and they're just better than you. But I, but I think Auburn came out of the game saying, man, we effort and energy and mistakes, You've got to clean a lot of that up, and they did. And they held a they held an Ole Miss offense that is pretty good in check for a lot of that game, and and, and responded after that that tough start. Um, I think it was like six or seven possessions in a row where they made the stops on them. I mean, that should be enough to win you games, and just Auburn's offense couldn't take advantage.
2: Justin, explain plankton mentality for us.
4: <laughs> yes. So this is this is the story of the day. Um, yeah. So uh, Jalen Simpson posted this last night on Instagram, and it was just a bunch of pictures. He had the caption, Plankton Mentality. And so Nathan King, uh, asked him about it uh, today, and he said uh, he, 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 it was a really funny answer. But it's just basically like, hey, uh, if you know anything, Plankton, the, the, the villain on SpongeBob, it's, he's got one goal in mind. He's he's going to get the Krabby Patty formula. That's all he's going to get. And a a one-track mind, got to go get it, got to go get it. And he was saying, that's like, I got you know, he has that mentality when he's playing defense, like, go get the ball. And he said, as a team, I think you got to do that as well. Because I think you're at a crossroads at this point in the year for Auburn. You have a four-game losing streak, but look at what you got ahead. you got State this weekend where you're favored for the first time in a while. Vanderbilt next week, you should be favored in that game. We'll see what they look like at Arkansas in a few weeks. Um, that game looks like a toss-up on paper right now. Got New Mexico State in a few weeks as well. Real easy, easily, you can see a pass where Auburn wins – three of the next four games and gets full eligible, maybe sweeps them all and is seven and four heading into the into the iron bowl. It's definitely possible. And I think he was just saying, like, we guys we gotta have that mentality as a team to go get it. I mean, have that sole focus. Win football games. Forget what forget all the failures of the past. Forget what's gone on um before. Just go get it. And I think that's that's a big thing for Auburn. You know, it's, it's funny. I mean, it's, it's very Jalen Simpson. Um, if you've ever interviewed or talked to him, he's an incredible personality. He's a great, 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 <laughs> great dude to talk to. But I do think there's there's a kernel of truth in that for Auburn. It's just like, hey, um, you know, you may have failed over and over and over again here um, these last four weeks. But, man, you've got an opportunity right here in front of you to, to, you know, go to a bowl game, potentially have a winning season, give yourself some momentum for the future. You just got to go get it.
1: Talking to Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer today on Sports Call. Justin, obviously looking ahead towards that Mississippi State game. Uh, They had a surprise where Will Rogers did not play Saturday, and it was Vandy transfer Mike Wright who ended up playing. Uh, So what is the status of Rogers ahead of this game, and how does that change the dynamic of things?
4: Unclear at this point. Uh, Auburn is preparing for both Rogers and Wright to play. Um, Obviously, with Will Rogers, I mean his two games, he's played against Auburn. He's been phenomenal. And I know Mississippi State's not the same team that they were last season, the uh, last two seasons. Um, obviously, with, with Mike, Mike Leach's passing, they've kind of been in a little bit of an identity crunch this year on offense. Um, but Mike, White, uh, Mike Wright, I should say, has, has played a decent amount of SEC football. As well. So who, whoever lines up back there tomorrow or on Saturday, they can't. I don't think Auburn can kind of sit there and think, you know, it's going to be easy. Um, you know, so for, for Auburn, I think, you're coming off a game if you're Mississippi State, where you only scored seven points, and against an Arkansas defensive, hadn't been playing pretty well. Um, so I think for Auburn, it's just they have the ability to hold this team down, and you have played um, you have played four of the top five or six offenses in the SEC right in a row here. Um, you know when you throw in A&M, at least the top three in the last three weeks. State's not that. Um, And so for Auburn at home, you need to take advantage of it. But, yeah, it'll look a little bit different if if Wright's in the game. Wright's been more of a runner. Obviously, Will Will Rogers has been the the quintessential kind of air raid quarterback, get it out of your hands quickly type of dude. Um, So I think Auburn's going to be prepared for for anything from State on Saturday. But, um, you know, it's just not the same weapons that we've seen State have the last few years. Um, I think the bigger – Concern in this game and the bigger matchup problem for all This game is, is Mississippi State's defense. Um, obviously, Zach Arnett, their new head coach, is a defensive guy. That's what has been his um, mo his entire career. Very disruptive de- defensive front. Uh, they stop the run fairly well. Haven't given up a 200-yard game this year. Um, average is not too too high. Um, they are very disruptive in what they do, trying to um, you know kind of create chaos. Um, they'll do stunts, twists, a ton of stuff just to try to get after a very innovative creative defense that net runs and so for Auburn it's just your offense is struggling, you're going to play a defense that's going to try to trick you into a lot of stuff uh, you got to be on your piece and use for this one
1: Alright Justin, I need two very quick fun with Ferg things from you One, I need sure. the I need the review of Killers of the Flower Moon and then mm-hmm. two, I need to know how excited you are to watch Steph Curry play basketball again tonight
4: very excited to watch Steph Curry play basketball tonight. Still working through my feelings with Chris Paul playing on on my favorite <laughs> sure. team. Sure, that's, that's going to be hard. That's going to be hard to deal with. I'm, I'm just going to be honest there. Uh, Killers of the Flower Moon, one of the best movies I've ever seen. Period. Um, I, I watched it with uh, Dan Peck uh, and uh, Adam Cole. My dad also. My dad had read the book that it was based on and really wanted to see it. And we both, we all just were kind of sitting there like this. Is, it's a masterpiece. No spoilers or anything with this, but I'll tell you this. Um, this has been a year for long movies. Um, you know, uh, Oppenheimer in the summer was about 320, three twenty, three thirty um, in terms of time duration. I, I really enjoyed Oppenheimer. I, I loved it. Um, thought this movie was better. Thought this movie commanded my attention better from beginning to end. It is uh, extremely well acted, um, engaging story. Uh, it's 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 a Thrilling story. It's an infuriating story from our from our nation's history. Um, everybody in it goes for the rafters with their performances. I mean, it's just, it's, it's a masterpiece. And it's it's you know, if you've ever watched any Martin Scorsese movie, he hits all the high notes there from that. But it's one of the best movies I've ever seen. It's definitely my favorite movie of the year. Um, and even if you're not a person who has great attention span or doesn't like sitting in long movies, I think I think this one might be the exception you need to make. So go check it out.
2: All right, Justin. Well, now I have a follow up to it. Favorite sure. Leonardo DiCaprio character of all time.
4: Favorite Leo character of all time. Yeah, I, I'll tell you this: the character he plays in this movie is really, um, really going to make a run uh, for it. Um, man, favorite Leo character of all time. I, for his his role in uh, his role in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is probably my favorite. Um, I know it's a little bit more of a recent, uh, more a little more recent movie, but. Um, it's one of my favorites as well uh, from from last year, so I, I'll go with that one. That's a that's a movie that uh, when I watched it the first time, I really liked it, but I didn't think I really got it as much until second and third view really took off for me. So I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go Once Upon a Time in Hollywood.
2: Justin, I'm sorry, we were looking for Frank Abagnale from Catch Me <laughs> If You Can for that answer.
4: That's a good one. That's a good one. I was like, are uh, we were gonna say Romeo from the Romeo and Juliet? Uh, the the Bos the Leman uh, Romeo and Juliet. Let's think. I will tell you the one the one that always got me is I know he won the Academy Award for The Revenant and that was just like a Lifetime Achievement Award. Um, Revenant's a fine movie, but it was not like Academy Award-winning performance, I thought. But he got to do a bunch of crazy like hard uh, hard method method acting, and so they finally gave it to him. But uh, yeah, yeah, you can. That's a, that's a great one as well.
1: Yeah, no, I don't know if uh, we never have this kind of discourse around movies, but I don't know if there's too many better duo director actor duos than Scorsese and and dicaprio i mean they they oh man pounded a lot of them out and i I looked on the imdb page i think they got one or two more in the works too so i think they're just going to kind of go out together but uh certainly appreciate the time as always for what do we have going on at the observer here in the coming week
4: yeah yeah so i mean if you if you like stories about auburn's offense one what's going on with it and two how they can fix it that's the first two uh uh, newsletters this week. Uh you can check those out. Um and then tomorrow I'm I'm writing about Plankton mentality because that why not? Excellent. That was the sto- that was the story of today's uh viewing window or and, 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 and um you know not viewing window yet but our interviews. Uh and so got that uh thirteen for thirteen uh on Thursday, mailbag on Friday. Uh, I'll be covering all Mississippi State with our observations and our and our podcast, recap podcast. Uh, and then, man, next week I mean, we got we got basketball exhibition to talk about next week. We're we're about to get right in it ahead of the Vanderbilt game. So, auburnobserver.com, check it out.
1: As always, Justin, we appreciate the time. Uh, we again look forward to chatting you with you down the line, and uh, we're absolutely thrilled to to catch uh, some of these great movies out like *Killers and Flower Moon*. So again, appreciate the time today, and we will look forward to talking to you again soon. Absolutely, thank you. That is Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer joining us today on Sports Call. Just a couple of minutes left here in the first hour, so we'll keep it right here. Uh, yeah, no, I uh, I was curious to ask him there about Kill- Killers of the Firemen because I knew he uh, wrote a great review about it.
2: He went opening night, too. Yes,
1: he did. Um, opening night in the morning, pretty much, because yeah. that is a long movie. Do you guys, okay, are you guys fundamentally opposed to long movies?
2: No. No. As long as it holds my attention. Sure. As long as it's I not I said bad. through all of
1: Titanic. Yeah. Sure. That? that was a four-hour movie, That's also it? a
2: Leo movie. Yeah. And
1: it all... Yeah, Yeah, it was. James Cameron uh, directed that one. But, you know, I was going, I asked him too there because I can't, I'm not a huge movie buff, although I do watch a lot of movies, but I do not consider myself in that space. And I think Ferg would be. But I just don't know of director actor combos Mm -hmm. that are churned out more quality stuff in Scorsese and DiCaprio, at least not the not last 20, 30 years. I, I can't speak to the 70s and 80s and, and that sort of stuff. I've, I've seen too scarce a, an amount of those. But it just feels like every every five, six, seven years, they work together on something, and they've done a handful or so by now. They, like I said, they've got one or two more in the works. I'm definitely going to end up seeing that soon. I know, Brooks, that you're playing on too. Yes, sir. But yeah, no, I'm good with the long movie stuff. It doesn't bother me. In fact, I would also say, I know that some people, and and I can see the counter argument to it is like, oh well, I didn't want to be in the theater for four hours uh, by the time previews and everything went. But I'd also say, like with rising prices of Mm. the of movie tickets and concessions, all that, like you get more bang for your buck if it's three and a half hour, three three and a half hours, than if it's you know an hour thirty. Which again, there's place for all of it. But I'm just saying, like. I think the, the general populace does not love the three-hour movie stuff, but I, so I'm just providing counterpoints to it. But uh, anyway, I'm certainly uh, looking forward to that one. Again, a minute or two left in the hour. for a lot of great points there. Uh, next week is the week we're going to start honing in a little bit on basketball too because, as he said, the exhibition's coming up. Uh, Auburn playing in the state of South Dakota against Baylor's two weeks plus away. Uh, so it's coming up very quickly and getting a lot of basketball excitement. And that includes, uh, obviously, Auburn, but also the NBA, which will be starting tonight. And I'm excited about that. Again, in a segment in the second hour of the show at some point, uh, we will get to, again, updating you on all of the outlooks for the Auburn guys and the NBA. It's just a little bit easier to do that in the NBA than it is in football because it's it's a little bit harder to say, yeah, so which, you know, how's the – offensive lineman going to play this year i think he's going to be okay that team's good all right so i'll tell you a little bit about the individual uh kind of needs and and next steps for these auburn guys and the NBA coming up a little bit later uh and uh get into just a brief segment or two about that of course if you want to give us a call today on the orthopedic clinic phone line 334-887-3401 locally or toll free one triple 9 tiger 9 Coming up more in hour number two, along with those NBA thoughts, more Auburn Ole Miss thoughts, some of your phone calls on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. And, again, at some point we'll get a little bit more branched out, to into college football because uh, if you are not keeping up with the Michigan stuff, as we started to hit on last week as that news started to break, uh, it is not looking better for Michigan after looking at some of the receipts and the, some of the attendance records. Of uh, that staffer, uh, staffer, what Connor Stallions? Is that his name Stallions, yeah. something like that. Uh, Stallions, that yeah. Stallions, Connor Stallions. Yep. After looking at uh, into more some of that stuff, guess what? It doesn't look good. So we'll get into that a little bit later too. Uh, again, Brooks, Tom, and Ryan with you here on this Tuesday out of time for hour number one. But again, phone calls coming up after this timeout. You're listening to the Tuesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger ninety-five point nine.
0: And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call.
1: Hour number two of Sports Call starting right now, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, and Brooks Childress with you here on this Tuesday edition of the program as we go to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line to start our number 2, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free 9 tiger First up in hour number 2, Wardam Steve. Retired Wardam Steve is with us. Steve, how are you this afternoon?
5: Good afternoon. I've sobered up uh, since you were, we're gone.
1: Very oh, good to hear.
5: Uh, welcome back. in your know, misery loves company, so I, I hate it for uh, your team, uh, the uh, the Tampa Bay Bucks, uh uh, that you could even change the channel. You're stuck there.
1: <laughs> yeah, definitely a tough loss for sure, but they did not deserve to win, and uh, it goes like that sometimes. So I'm all good. I still had a great weekend.
5: Okay. All right, let's get to it. And uh, uh, Brooks and Tom, right? Yes, uh, sir. That's correct. Okay, well, you, uh, I harassed you guys yesterday, so I'll try to, be, uh, I'll try to make it easier on you today. Uh, Mr. Jessica Ferguson, I really, really enjoyed uh, hearing his uh, thoughtful comments, observations, uh I want to share some with you, not from me, though, but from the two quarterbacks uh, that I uh, heard, uh, well, I'll listen to today's video from uh, both Peyton Thorne and Robbie Ashford. They were asking, uh, Nathan King and some other uh, reporters were asking uh, to uh, Peyton Thorne uh, how to explain the struggles, what do you think about the uh, uh, the, the two quarterback uh, constant rotations, and he said it's unique, he said it's not uh, had to experience this before, so it's been a challenge for him. Uh, and they even asked him about uh, what's the relationship between him and Robbie. He said they would pull for each other. There's no uh, thinking, of, hey, I hope he does it bad. You know, when he goes out there, none of that. He said uh, they both want each other to succeed. And uh, let's see, uh, what else? Oh then, uh, uh, Robbie Ashford has interesting comments. He asked him about uh, what this year like been like in the locker room versus last year. And he made an interesting uh, comment. He said that this team this year in the locker room is much more together uh, than last year's team, uh, which is an interesting comment. Uh, Then they asked about the uh, quarterback situation. And um, he said, well, you know, I've been stereotyped from all the social media uh, comments I've read. He said on occasion uh, that, you know, I'm the running quarterback. He said, these people, you know, don't know who I am, what I can do, what I can't do. And he says, I've passed, uh, that I'm a passing quarterback in, in the past. He said, uh, that's what I enjoy doing. He said, however, the package for me are more inclined to run it more, uh, and that's fine. He said, but I can pass, I'm a passing quarterback. So I said, and it's interesting that he made that comment, Observations because he knows what people are saying about him. And he made that comment that I've been stereotyped. So I thought that was interesting that he... Um, well, he, he noted that. Uh, and then on, uh, they talked about the uh, frustrations, and uh, both of them. And Peyton Thorne said, uh, this he come he said, We've got to get on the right page with each other. I said, Wow. Okay. Now this is the seventh game that you played, guys. Season's almost not over. What What explained that, guys? How come it's taken you this long and you're still struggling to get on the right page? Guys, uh, is that maybe. Uh, a question can't be answered by the coaches or what?
1: Well, I mean, I think that some of it is on the fact that they continue to swap the quarterbacks. And that's why we talk about the percentage of reps you get in practice when you're first team, second team, third team. And if you are splitting reps and you are only working on certain things and then you're asked to do something else, you know, it, it, it then becomes outside the comfort zone thing. And, and there's still some stuff that, you know, I even with with great coaching, like I, you know, stuff when we were talking about earlier when Ashford turns the wrong way or or Hunter, one of the two. I, I mean, I I don't know exactly. Uh, I, I guess I would need to relook at what the offensive line how they were blocking Maybe that would give a hint. But uh, you know, whoever turns the wrong way there, like you can tell someone all you want not to do that, and then if they're going to do that. I, I, I mean, that's on the players. So, some, I it's mean, decision making. Right. Uh, I mean, so, I mean, again, they, some of it is on coaches because they have not necessarily allowed continuity to grow. But then there's still some simple stuff that, like, just any college quarterback should really not be messing up at times. And, and again, it, it's, I, I certainly understand the, 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 uh, the need uh, and, and the criticism of of them not being, Able to fix some of those simple things, but I also, they've, they're have somewhat at fault for it for trying to change things so often and so frequently.
5: Now, what we'll never know, um, but if I could have a one on one with Peyton Thornton, I'd say to him, Peyton, you passed for thousands of yards when you were in Michigan State. What explains that you struggled so badly here in your performance? It's not like you're, you know, a walk on. You're a three-year starter. I'd, I'd like to know what his explanation is. Now, I heard from, uh, in fact, some of those, uh, that thing was asking a bar reaction by Nathan King, I think, on his video, and he said, he took ownership. He said, some of the struggles has been on me. He said, uh, I've pressed too hard at times. I feel like it's on me uh, to, to make uh, the plays. Uh, and he said, I need to play uh, less like that and be more relaxed. He said, and we have told each other that, he said, uh, in the locker room this past weekend. And he made a comment. He said, these last five games, he said, we have all talked about it. He said, we want to go out with the bang." And, in fact, uh, Fairweather was asked about the remaining games, and uh, his quote was this. He says, the offense struggled, but our defense played amazing this past game. He says, I promised the defense this weekend in the locker room we're going to find a way to execute out there as an offense. And Ashford reiterated that he he said, nobody's pointing fingers. He said, the defense even came up to us. He says, "We're not giving up on you guys," and he says, "Well, please don't give up on us because we're not giving up on us." So I'm hoping that that's really, you know, legitimate. And he's just not saying that uh, to be made publicly, uh, just you know, uh, glibly. Um, so it doesn't sound like this team has, you know, given up at all. But they see five main games as winnable. Uh, but I thought just he guys. He said he's been pressing too hard, as if he's got to do the right play every time and can't make a mistake. He said, we need to have fun it. He it, like when I was a kid, uh, playing, you know, uh, football with my friends. I said, okay, uh, that's that's really good. But, we, we, he said, we've had good practices. And in fact, one of the asked well, why, why does that translate into the uh, uh, game day performance? He said, we don't make the right decisions at times. He said, on my part, he says, I've been pressed too hard. He made that Uh, He he reiterated reiterated that comment several times. So where is that coming from? Got pressing too hard? Is that from the coaches or that's uh, internal?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the the cause and effect deals of playing two quarterbacks and having the quarterbacks kind of be looking over their shoulder for when they might get pulled out of the game where, yeah, it's a pretty natural thing to say, I want to play really, really, really well so they don't take me out. Uh, and I know this, this happens a lot. I used to feel this way a little bit about basketball where I almost – I had to tell myself growing up to, like, be confident and not worry about missing a shot and then looking over at the bench to see if you're going to get taken out of the game. And that's usually something a quarterback doesn't have to deal with because it's usually the guy – and there's not any sort of, oh, I might get taken out at midfield here and and that sort of thing. So, you know, honestly, I think that's derived out of the initial starts of the year where even as early as the Cal game, the coaches were clearly not very confident in Thorne and in Ashford. And look, to be fair, the flip side of that is, you know, Thorne's got to give them something to be confident about, right? I mean, there's always a, there's always a, a, a opposite side to it, but... I do think that he came into it um, with lacking a little bit of confidence, just in that again, as he was alluding to. You know, you never know when you're getting taken out, and that's not usually something a quarterback has to deal with. And you can see there can be a negative side effect to, to constantly rotating quarterbacks.
5: Okay, uh, but again, you know, uh, come from a psychological viewpoint too. You know, you should probably, I would think, you would you'd be the, the quarterback paid thorn. That has more confidence than Robbie Ashford because you are a three year starter and you performed pretty darn well uh, as that starting quarterback in Michigan State.
1: Sure. And I mean, he, 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 he.
5: You're not displaying it. You're not displaying it. You're not performing it.
1: He certainly walked into it with those credentials, but it's still a new coaching staff and it's still a situation where you kind of have to, when you're in a quarterback race, you kind of have to prove yourself all over again. And even from the moment he won the job, the coaches were still saying, Robbie Ashford's going to play. So that is already built in to his psyche where, yeah, I can be confident in who I am based off of Michigan State, but I know that they really like the other guy too, or at least they, they, they want him in the game. So... It's uh, you, you're already predisposed to saying, "Oh, well, when are they going to put them in the game? Like, can I? Is there a way I can play well enough for them not to come in the game?" Like that already became a factor the minute they said they would play both.
5: And you wonder, especially with Hugh Freeze's, you know, resume, he must be aware and grasp, "Hey, we can't continue doing it because it may be uh, leading to both quarterbacks losing confidence." Right?
1: Yeah, I mean that that's certainly and and look, I've. I think that Thorne is is starting to actually play a scotch better. Uh, it's not a, a high bar to clear at all. But, I mean, he led two drives at the end against Ole Miss. One he did end up throwing an interception in, but then obviously the touchdown in that up-tempo two-minute style stuff, which I get the defense plays off and it, it's easier to make yards and that sort of thing. But, but still, uh, the, that, that's something as opposed to the nothing that they had been going prior to that game or, or prior to that quarter uh you know I, I think that with the confidence factor of both of them obviously people are wired differently i kind of get from robbie that he has confidence in himself that he just doesn't have the ability uh and i think thorn has more ability as a passer i really do but i think that's where you get in the confidence that's where you get into the reminder that these receivers aren't great. Like Keon – he had Keon Coleman at Michigan State. Keon Coleman would walk on this team and he'd be the best receiver by a large margin. It would not even be close. Uh, and, and so y- you are looking at a situation where then the other factors come into play of, of aiding Thorne and not playing as well as he wanted to and, and not giving the confidence from the coaching staff in, in, in the passing game.
6: And I'm,
5: I'm just uh, – I um, trying to make an educated assumption here, hopefully, hopefully not. But it seems like to me that evaluating a quarterback is extremely different, more than any other position. Uh, otherwise, I can't explain. Then, well, how does a walk-on uh, was able to beat? I'm talking about Utah over the weekend beating a Heisman, Caleb Williams, and uh, performing better than that. Uh, and then, and all these other quarterbacks, you know, uh, he's a walk-on. How's he doing? This much? Well. This guy is a five-star, and he's a bust. So is that the most difficult position, guys? I'm not being rhetorical because it seems like it must be the most difficult one for Hugh Fleas, anybody, to really evaluate that, yep, yeah, he is a home run.
1: Yeah, I think in terms of evaluating how it's going to project out, I think that it is probably the most difficult, I would say. I think there's some positions where physicality is so important and you can just kind of tell on the lines of scrimmage who is blowing people up off the ball if they've got good you're leverage like backs. that sort of thing. Running backs, you know, I think that you can I think you can grade their vision pretty well. I mean, like I think that if you're looking at tape and you see, hey, they missed this hole, like it's not really a, it's it's kind of a black and white issue there where he either hit the hole he was supposed to or he didn't. And or he either broke some tackles or he didn't. And then even with uh with some wide receivers and stuff, well well if he Drops five out of ten passes. Like this kid's not a great wide receiver, or if he can't, if he can't be able to to stick his foot in the ground and change direction to beat a DB, like he's not going to get himself open very often. So, I think it is harder to evaluate quarterbacks. I also think that it's obviously this is where it's obvious. It is the most important position, right? And so it's very important that you do evaluate them well, and it's what we all talk about and and spend all these gobs of time on and and uh and so yeah no it is difficult obviously i know you referenced the utah usc game and barnes did a good job i will say that utah has not played well offensively this year that was kind of abnormal for them to do that usc's defense is awful and obviously it's not just quarterback playing quarterback everyone and their brother would still absolutely take caleb williams but for that one game yeah it was awesome performance and and utah beat him and so that that's a part of the sport but yeah quarterback is everything about it can be difficult
5: And yet, guys, you know one of the strengths that I recall that um, obviously that they chose Freeze to to be our coach is because of his, you know, uh, you know, being able to evaluate uh, quarterbacks so so well. And yet, wow, you chose Peyton Thorn, man. Um, You're supposed to be really, 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 I thought really, really good at detecting who are. Good prospects, right? Well, and this hasn't worked out that well. In fact, at pre-do uh, fall camp, he said the reason for choosing Peyton in the starter was because of his decision making and accuracy.
1: Right, right. And I, well, I think he's clearly been way more accurate than than Ashford. So I mean, that box is checked. And I think they've both made uh, bad decisions. I, I would say that, um, you know, yes, he missed. Okay, he he's he's missed on Thorne, and, and Auburn has, however. That is the danger of relying on a portal quarterback, especially late in the process where they were about out of time. I mean, Thorne was one of the last people to enter the portal. They had really been interested in Grayson McCall of Coastal Carolina. He obviously ended up going back to Coastal Carolina. They were interested in Devin Leary, who went to Kentucky, who, by the way, has not been very good for Kentucky either. He was the other hot name. And then Spencer Sanders was talked about. And, well, he didn't even win his job. At, at Ole Miss, Jackson Dart beat them out. So you look at what the other guys were in this cycle, really none of them have ended up in awesome situations playing awesome where it was like, damn, Auburn should have gotten that guy. Really, that guy was not there. Now, some years they are. I mean, you look at a lot of the Heisman quarterbacks, a lot of them are transfers right now. So it, it, it can happen. It happens from time to time, and, and the situations are different. But the guys that were available this spring – a lot of those guys, the situations have not worked out for them. So he did miss. Yes, that is true. But there were a lot of misses in that cycle. And that's, again, the, the danger of not being able to develop your own quarterback, which obviously Freeze, having not been here, was not ever going to be able to do with, uh, you know, I mean, he still might end up developing Gurner or something. But, I mean, these are not his recruits. So uh, you, you got to give him a chance to get White in here and see how he works with him
5: maybe I used a, a bad analogy, but I still think of look at what he did with Malik Willis, who didn't do hardly anything at Auburn, right?
1: Sure, and, and he I did develop himself. him, yeah. and he did develop him. But also, you you got to say too, and I'm not trying to revision history because he was truly really good at Liberty. But you know, you were playing at a certain level of football, and Malik Willis has gone pro now and has not looked good at all in the pro. So it's not like he like he he developed him absolutely, made him better, but. Willis still had some limitations, but Freeze was able to, in the scope of Liberty and the scope of the conference, be able to kind of perfect what they needed for that competition. Whereas I still think if Willis goes other places and goes in big leagues, he would still have trouble passing from time to time. But So yeah, Freeze made him better. He developed him for sure, but also each situation is case by case. And obviously uh, we were hoping for that out of Robbie Asher, but you also had the part where Willis said, yeah, I really didn't care enough for Auburn. So some of that was on Willis where he could have been developed quicker if he had a different mindset. So, again, these situations still are a little different, although I know that we tried to compare them certainly in the offseason. We were certainly hopeful that that situation would occur again with Ashford.
5: Fair enough, yep. When I'm I, I, I calling out, he did make those comments. He didn't, he didn't do his best uh, when he was at Auburn. All right, moving on, guys. We yeah, got last thing up, for us, Steve. Caleb Harris, three-star this is back committed
1: to us yesterday, right? Yes, uh, we were going to get into that in just a little bit, actually. But yeah, it actually, uh, he is the, I, I will say, great. Uh, always want to pick up kids from the state of Alabama. Uh, certainly a good thing. It actually did bring Auburn's rating down a little bit in down? recruiting. Yes. because oh my God. He is the second lowest rated recruit that Auburn has for 2024. He's a three star player. Um, and so it actually moved their average down.
5: Wow, that's a, a, a call. Okay, do you think anything will happen to Michigan?
1: I think so, but not in time for this year. I think that uh, it's pretty obvious there's wrongdoing, and it's pretty bad wrongdoing. But I just don't see how the 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 turtle team at the NCAA is going to be able to rule. The you know, team yeah, okay. be able to rule on this quick enough to get them out of it this year.
5: Okay, and tell me what is the secret for the Diamondbacks? How could they do what they've done to the Phillies that uh, the Braves couldn't do? I think one of the scores was ten or eleven or two, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, well, they've hit, uh, they hit and, the ball, <laughs> yeah, and uh, the Braves obviously I know, but were.
5: how could the Braves couldn't do what the uh, what Dimebacks have done?
1: Again, the layoff is part of it. Uh, the familiarity, I think, is part of it too. Swamp at the wrong time. Yeah, I mean, it, it is. That's the the aberrations with baseball, and that that is always going to be that sport where. Uh, that again, there there are so many random results that that can come out of it, and Arizona's still a good team, obviously, but they were not Atlanta. I know that, and uh, but 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 uh, the the Braves did not play well. No, none of those teams, other than Houston, played well in that first series again due to that layoff.
5: Do you think they can do it?
1: They uh, they can, but I tell you what, it's a tough matchup for them tonight. Ranger Suarez is on the mound for Philly, and he has a sub one ERA in the postseason in three starts. He has been tremendous, so. I'm hopeful Arizona will win, but it's going to be tough to score on him.
5: Okay, and finally, guys, maybe you guys can laugh at this because I, I thought this was sad. You know when Auburn's have a bad, bad football uh, season when you not only you're not in the top 25, but the team that is ranked number 25 goes by the name of James Madison.
1: Yeah, certainly a president at one point, yep.
5: James Madison, think about it, guys. Thank you for your time, always. And I know my time is way, way up. But it's good to have you back, Ryan. Bless you guys, good to hear your voices. We'll try this again tomorrow, and hopefully I'll be more sober. So till then, good afternoon, and War you guys.
1: War you'll Steve, appreciate that phone call. That is retired word Steve joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. Yeah, uh, James Madison is ranked. Again, they are they and JSU can't mm-hmm. go to bowl games. I think this is James Masson's second year in FPS. Right. I could be wrong. I know it's JSU's first, but you have that little, little bit of leeway time where you can't play in the postseason. That's a shame. James that's Madison's stupid. good, and uh, again, uh, notably not the fourth president of the United States, James <laughs> Masson, but the the school. But yeah, no, I, I that that is a shame, and uh, yeah, it's a rough year. But hey, there's a lot of teams unranked, and James Masson's ranked. So again, that uh, that's uh, one of the one of the cool stories in college football how they played this year. We're gonna take our first time out here of the four o'clock hour. When we come back, we'll talk more. Auburn football, more college football as a whole. You're listening to the Tuesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
0: know how easy it is to listen to our show all you have to do with your amazon smart device is say alexa play sports call auburn this is andy bertram voice of the auburn tigers and you're listening to sports call on tiger 95.9
1: Welcome back to Sports Call Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, Tom Peavy with you here on this Tuesday edition of the program. About halfway through on this Tuesday. If you missed anything so far, go back and check it out on the Sports Call podcast brought to you by Coca-Cola. If you ever miss Sports Call Live or if you want to hear something again, make sure you go back and listen to our show on demand wherever you get your podcasts. Join Ice Cold Coca-Cola to go along with the hottest sports talk, Coca-Cola the feeling, of course, the Sports Call podcast is available on SoundCloud, Google Play, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, and the Tiger Communications app. All right, so about halfway through the show again, just had a phone call from retired Am Steve. We've again talked to Justin Ferguson. Um, we've talked um, a lot of football items so far in the show today. Again, coming up a little bit later, going to have. A quick rundown of the Auburn players in the NBA as the NBA season gets start uh, gets ready to start tonight. Uh, but before we do that, I want to go back to earlier conversation though, still about this Auburn football team, about this Auburn offense. We were discussing it prior to Justin Ferguson's call at three thirty, and I think that when we put all the pieces together. And this team struggles and again what they need to do again there in my opinion there are not a lot of obvious answers for this and there's not a lot of um oh if you just do this then you'll figure it out if you just do this but for me again it starts with and i I explained earlier why i i could still see even though i don't agree with it where the coaches come from in rotating quarterbacks but i really just want for at least a full half. I'd love a full game, but give me a full half against Mississippi State of the same guy, no matter the situation. Doesn't matter if it's first and goal from the seven or second and 10, your own 15. Like, I, I want the same quarterback for a full half to see if rhythm can be gained. And we've not seen that in the last couple of weeks. And it's still, to me, again, I'm not promising you either way It's going to end up in better results, but I think it's one of those things where just everybody can look at it and say, "Can't keep going on the exact same way week to week. You need to try something else before you revert back to other things that have not worked so far."
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, you you look, you know, if if you're looking at what this offense needs to do, uh, I I agree. You know, try. You know, you, you try different things. You 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 look at what your 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 players are capable of. You look at what your, uh, what specifically you know stuff that hasn't worked is wide receiving, uh, well, team receiving really, uh, you know, take a look at what they are capable of doing and try to try to mold a little bit different toward that. You know, I know Brant uh, Brant talked about it uh, yesterday. He's talked about it before but being able to you know have some schemes that there where you scheme the wide receivers open and i know not a lot we we talked about it earlier not a lot of stuff has worked in the in the passing game the different types of stuff but you could there's there's sp- spots that you could you know try to look at and try to make to see if you can can scheme some of your wide receivers open or something to help try to help something get uh get stuck on the board or you know i made i made that reference earlier throw it on the wall and see what sticks and <laughs> that you may have to do that a little bit more here when you just throw some stuff on the wall and see if anything's going to stick uh, going down the stretch here
1: all right we got another call on the orthopedic clinic phone line 334-887-3401 locally or toll free one 9 tiger 9 next up keith from auburn keith is with us keith how are you this afternoon
7: hey i'm outstanding i hope everyone there's doing well yes sir Good deal. Hey, um, I think I've been listening this week, and uh, I got to say that I I think y'all get to blowing this thing out of proportion with with you freeze. And I understand where you're coming from about the quarterbacks. And, you know, but, you know, I learned a long, long time ago. uh, I played for, uh, uh, in my opinion, a Hall of Fame high school football coach. Who could beat you with his players, or he could take your players and beat you, uh, and 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 he was very successful. He, I don't know, two or three years after I graduated, he was having a down year. I mean, they, and a down year from him for him was they, they probably won four ball games, you know, lost six. Uh, but I remember in a meeting, uh, one of the fathers stood up, questioned him, uh, his play calling, and. And, you know, that whole process. And it reminded me of this Hugh Freeze and, and fans getting a little, I guess, disturbed with him and, and all. Um, and, and what Coach Talley said was, he says, he point blank told the dad, he said, sometimes you got to play not to get embarrassed. And he said, we're not very talented. And we're going to play to keep try to keep the game close and give us an opportunity to win. Now, uh you know, with Hugh Freeze, uh, the man can win ball games in the SEC. There's no doubt about that. He's done it in the past, but this is his first year. And and, and I will say this. I think I heard Tom mention this one day. This, uh, well, excuse So I guess it might have been yesterday. Um, about he, you know, he's doing he's doing his due diligence on recruiting. You know, and. and And, guys, that ought to tell you something right there. If that He's the head football coach. If he's knocking down doors uh, to recruit, uh, he knows he's got to have help. He knows he's got to get better athletes in there. So, uh, you know, I don't listen to press conferences, you know, of anybody. So, you know, I know y'all mentioned he says things about, well, the talent level just ain't there. Uh, This is his first year. I mean, he's not going to turn, you know, Water in the wine, uh, in in year one. Now I agree, uh, and and I would say this about the two quarterbacks. Um, I'm not a fan of that either. Okay,
0: <laughs>
7: you know, at, at some point, and I think you guys have spoken this as well. At some point, just pull the trigger and go with one. You know, uh, give him the whole ball game. You know, or, or, or give him maybe like you said a, a half. Uh, but in my opinion, um, I think Auburn's best chances to, to win ball games down the stretch and keep it close is to have Robbie Ashford in there and it be more of a, a, a run uh, attack, you know, a running attack and, you know, putting a little pressure on the corners or trying to. And let him throw it some. I mean, you know, he, he – he, he struggled last year, but he may be a little better this year. You know, he hadn't thrown many passes. I thought the, the throw he threw down the field uh, Saturday that was picked off. Yeah, it was probably underthrown a little bit, but to me, it looked like pass interference. Looked like the old Miss guy ran over or, or nut, you know, pushed the Auburn receiver that was trying to come back for the ball, pushed him down basically. I mean, I, I, they may have slipped, but uh, you know, I just think. Uh, uh, in due time, Hugh Freeze is going to win a lot of ball games at Auburn. Uh, he he's just got to get the right personnel, uh, and I, you know, I I don't know who call who's calling the plays. I, it, it must be an Auburn thing, but uh, head coaches and offensive coordinators at Auburn, some don't go you know, some don't go together. If Hugh Freeze is the offensive genius. Uh, why well, have an offensive coordinator get you get you a quarterback coach and you call the plays you know uh but i know there's you know there's more to all of that i i understand that but you know i, I think hugh freeze is going to be i think he was the best guy for the for the job when when auburn hired him i like him better than i did lane kip but um but that's just that's just me and you know i i, I don't know what you guys feel about that um but I do believe that Robbie Ashford gives you the best opportunity to, you know, to keep you in a ball game. One, you don't keep the clock running. Uh, you know, you try to shorten the game a little bit. I, I mean, I, I don't know, guys, what if, if that made any sense, or I'm just rambling on here.
1: No, it, no, it made 100% sense. I mean, we. So I, I talked about last week. Um, my, my preference was Ashford to to flip to Ashford, and it right. still is. I I just think my biggest thing is i just want them to go away from two quarterbacks for a half to a game and, and it i would rather get my second choice of thorn just to stay committed to one for a little while than i would rather see them both out there but yes my preference is is absolutely assured and it's what you talked about there with the run game trying to maximize the run game this offense can't really afford to go up-tempo the way a freeze team would in the past because they're just not dynamic enough and they just don't keep the ball long enough to where their defense is clearly the unit keeping them in these games. They don't need to tire them out further by by going three and out in 30 seconds or 40 seconds as compared to uh, a minute and a half, two minutes if it were a bad drive. So uh, I I wholeheartedly prefer, prefer Asher there I I do think that there still is a little bit better of a passing acumen to thorn, but I think there's so many problems that you, you've you clearly not gotten enough production to justify that route anymore. So, again, I would rather maximize the clock and the run game there with Ashford.
7: Okay, yeah, I, I agree. Uh, and then let me flip the, the table on something else right here. Uh, what was said, and I missed this. Uh, 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 I don't remember where I heard it. About something that one uh Dion or Prime's uh, son's text at halftime of the Stanford game. Do y'all know what that was? Yeah. So something about spelling something or
1: yeah. So uh, there was some sort of uh, there was a went out to his Instagram at halftime a uh, basically a link to purchase his merchandise uh, at, at the half of that game and we don't know if it was he that sent it or someone on his behalf through his account because you know a lot of these. A lot of these guys will get people to run their show, social media. But either way, yeah, halftime of the Colorado Stanford game, there was a link posted on his Instagram to go shop his merchandise. Oh,
7: wow. Which, which song was it? I, I'm assuming it was probably the quarterback. yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, you
0: know,
7: who knows about that? I, I, I thought everybody got a little jumped on the bandwagon a little too quick with this Colorado thing. I, Uh, don't get me wrong. I I think prime's good for football. I I just don't go along with all the circus stuff going on on the sideline with all the, the rock, you know, and, and all these people showing up Uh, to me. It it just, I don't know. I'll give prime credit. He's he's turned the program around. He's made it better. I mean, how could you not go 0 over 11 or whatever they went last year and he's going to win ball games there. Um, you know, he's just got, you know, in his first year, he's got to go out there and I get, guess get get in the transfer order again and go get some more players. But, uh, uh you know, primetime is going to be fine. Uh, I'm just not a big fan of, of that style. Of, I like watching him play, don't get me wrong. And I think his, his kid is a, a pretty good, doggone good, good quarterback, uh, you know, and probably the other one on defense. Is probably gonna, he's probably going to have a career in the NFL as well. But anyway, I'm going to end it with this right here guys. Uh there's always a good story out there and you know, I got to tip my hat to the guy, I can't even remember his name, uh the Division 2 quarterback uh that started for uh, Chicago. Maybe he's the next Brock Purdy for this year and uh yeah, I mean, Division 2 football guys, that's that's uh
1: that's down in the weeds it, that, a little bit.
7: It, it, that that is, and I, of course, I didn't see the game. I didn't see him play, but I just think that's a great story uh, that you know that that took place. But and I'll try to maybe watch. I think they're on TV coming this weekend or something. I, I don't know what they like play Sunday night or something. I don't remember. But uh, anyway, guys, y'all uh, y'all keep up the good work. And 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 by the way, who did Tampa Bay play this past weekend? Atlanta.
1: Yeah, they right? played Atlanta. Yeah. Yep.
7: Yeah, yeah, okay. I, I didn't get to watch much of that game, but uh, I know my uh, my Browns are, are four and two. But
1: yes, I, a I very awesome defense for your Browns. Yeah,
7: yeah, they got they got a good defense, but I tell you, uh, you know, probably when it's all said and uh, done, it's either going to be Baltimore, or Cincinnati, uh, you know, playing to win that division. But maybe maybe uh, maybe Cleveland can hang in there. That PJ Walker does a pretty decent job. Uh, I think it's that last name's Walker. Yes, back up. it is. Yeah. Yep. Uh, you know, maybe they just need to move on. I wouldn't. I'm not a Deshaun Watson fan, uh, but uh, it is what it is. But anyway, guys, thanks,
1: thanks a lot for uh, that. the NBA uh, tip off tonight? It does, and I can't wait. I, I'm very excited.
7: Well, I, I'll, I'm I, I'm, p- I'm picking a new team this year. Okay, who would that be? Go, and I, I think they're going to be a surprise team.
1: That's the Detroit Pistons. Oh. Oh wow. Okay, we I, d- I
7: think they're going to be improved.
1: Okay. I, 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 they were, uh, I that's last, ambitious. Last
7: year, weren't they? <laughs> but anyway, guys, y'all y'all keep up the great work. Thanks for taking my call and uh uh I'm going to hang up with this question right here and I will listen yes, uh, to your comments on this right here. Here it is. Uh if Alabama runs the table. Yes. Beats Georgia in the SEC Championship or beats Missouri. I mean, it yeah, it could be Missouri, but more than likely it's going to be Georgia. Uh, is there any way Alabama doesn't get into the football playoffs? And, and I'll, I'll hang up, listen to you guys' calls, and uh, fuck again,
1: thanks thanks a lot. Absolutely, Keith. As always, we really appreciate the phone call and love talking to you, sir. That's Keith from Auburn joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. So, yeah, to deal with that question there. So if Alabama runs stable, uh, 11-1, I'm going to say for the sake of this, Play plays Georgia. Keep it simple, because uh, I think there are some other variables if Missouri ends up getting in that would change the dynamic just a little bit, but not too much. But assuming it's Georgia, Alabama beats them goes twelve and one. Would they? Was there a scenario where they missed the playoff? There is still a scenario, in my opinion, that they missed the playoff. Now there's only really one, but the scenario is undefeated Big Ten team, either Michigan or Ohio State, either one. Undefeated, Florida State. Uh, you, you lost North Carolina this weekend, so only Florida State in the ACC. Either Oklahoma undefeated or potentially one loss Texas because they will have avenged their only loss and still have the win in Tuscaloosa over Alabama. So that's three. And then undefeated Washington. Not one loss Oregon, but undefeated Washington. If those four things happen, I think because of how Alabama has looked this year. Now, they're starting to look better. I mean, obviously, that was a dominating second half against Tennessee. But just overall, they've not looked like the same team. Because, look, they've had four titles when having a loss. So a loss has never really disqualified them. And they've had some great teams that lost the game. But this team has just looked a little different, and obviously that's why it's ranked ninth as opposed to being fourth or fifth. If those four things happened. Then I still think they would be out now. If any one of those things happen, they'd move up in the packing order, guys. What do you think?
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, you, you look at how this uh, this this uh, this is playing out. Uh, we, you know, I, I brought it up a couple weeks ago uh, that it's, you know, they're still very much in this race here, uh, especially after this past week and getting that win. But yeah, you know, I, I, I'm with you, Ryan. I think that. A a those that scenario right there is probably what would keep Alabama out. Uh, but you've seen, you know, the, the thing is, is you look at these teams. You've seen some of the the chinks in the armor with Georgia. Uh, they haven't lost yet, but you you've seen a little bit of uh, you know a, a pattern You can see paths to where they lose. Michigan is really Michigan's really the only team that is left undefeated that you haven't seen uh some sort of uh that's has a realistic shot at the playoffs. Let me let me clarify that because James Madison is still undefeated. Uh but the, the the teams that have a realistic shot at the playoff. Michigan's the only one that really hasn't shown any sort of like weakness in the armor so far. They look really good. Now you look at who they've played, they haven't gotten yeah. to the meat of their schedule yet. Nope. But it's they're the only team that really has not had a, a game where you said oh they could have lost this game Oklahoma you you know you looked at them you're like oh they're playing really really well well this past weekend UCF pushed them to the brink UCF was so close to, to beating uh, beating that uh, that Oklahoma team uh, everybody else Washington this past weekend got pushed to the edge with uh, Arizona State and Arizona State team that probably didn't have any business being in that game uh, but they were they they came out and they played a really good football game against Washington so it, there's the, Alabama's still right there they they're still in this hunt um, and it's gonna you know it, it, if they run the table they beat a Georgia uh, uh, and they you know there's gonna be quite a few arguments to put them in but uh, you you're gonna have to have a lot of stuff happen here to to specifically keep them out and I, I do with I do agree with your your take there if Texas goes on Texas is one of the few one loss teams. Uh, that can keep them out,
1: and, and maybe there's a scenario for Oregon too. I think it would just depend on optics of how you beat uh, teams. I was say and, I think
2: yeah. you have to, if Oregon, you have to look dominant the rest of the way, yeah. and then you have to be very dominant in the Pac-12 championship game against a, a probably a Washington team.
1: Time to go back to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line 334-887-3401 locally toll free one triple eight nine tiger nine. Next up, Tony from Tuskegee. Tony is with us. Tony, how are you this afternoon?
6: I'm uh, fine. How are you all doing? Doing well. Give me one let me get this seatbelt.
1: Yes, sir. Take your time. Be safe. Safety is always important. So. Okay, I'm back. Yes, yeah. sir.
6: Uh, I was I was looking at a, a little post somebody had on there say um <laughs> they should bring Brian Harson back for a twelve you know, for twelve member Auburn Court for letting uh, what's the guy's name for my old Miss.
3: Quinshon Judkins uh, uh, from Pike yeah. Road. Quinshon yep. Judkins.
6: Yeah. Well, it's a guy playing a bet Tuskegee uh, that came from Booker T. Washington, and uh, I don't see how Auburn, Alabama, let him get away. He's a defensive back, a cornerback. Uh, Michael King. This fella's getting national attention. He might be lead. Everybody in the but, um But I don't see how Auburn or Alabama let him get by. You know, they recruited – um, what's the name? Y'all recruited Joe Phillips? Yes. But this guy right here, I, I don't know. He's going to uh, – although he's playing at Tuskegee, I would put him on the thing with Kool-Aid. Okay. Ooh. Yeah, but um, everybody talking about Alabama. If Alabama win out and win SEC championship bound, yeah. Anyway, y'all have a good.
1: All right, you too, Tony. Appreciate that phone call. That is Tony from Tuskegee joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. I understand in years past that's the situation, but again, I would just I would I would ask. And I guess I should have kept Tony on the line. There is. It, it, what of those teams that I said would Alabama jump? Because they're behind them all. And if they all continue to win, are they jumping Ohio State slash Michigan? Are they jumping Florida State? Are they jumping either Oklahoma or Texas? Or are they jumping Washington? Because they'll all have had, you know, that you could say, oh, Washington's not a big brand, but they'll have several top 25 wins. Mm. If they end up undefeated by the end of this thing, right. and they'll have a, a high, maybe the Heisman Trophy winner. And then Texas went to Alabama and won. So if Texas is one loss and then they end up avenging and say Oklahoma's still undefeated, they then beat Oklahoma and also get a top five win at the end. Well, then does head to head not matter, especially when it's in Tuscaloosa? And if it's undefeated Oklahoma, well, then why would Oklahoma get jumped? You see what I'm saying? Like, it's not many scenarios. Yeah. I'm not saying it's likely. I'm not saying, you know, but but there is a scenario that if the status quo stays the same, which it never does in college football, it's it, already it, changed it, a little it, bit it, this yeah, weekend. Yeah, North Carolina should, for the world, not have lost to one in five Virginia, and they did. And of course, North Carolina is not a, a huge football program, so it's not an absolute shock they didn't make it to the end of this. But that they didn't huge upset. Then. Sure, I mean, there, there's only really one of those things needs to happen for Alabama. But, again, you look at the rankings, and that's why I said, too, I don't want to throw Missouri into it. But if you wanted to throw Missouri into it, or you say Georgia goes to, goes to Knoxville and loses, you might not think that's likely. But if it does, I'm just giving you the ifs, that decreases the value of Alabama's win if they beat them because Georgia won't be number one at that point they won't they'll be number four five six whatever and so Georgia would still be in the title game but that wouldn't help their case either so I'm just saying like who are you going to jump if you lose if if those teams maintain the status quo
2: I was going to say you I look at look at this you know Bama is sitting at number nine right now there's eight teams in front of them if if everybody kind of if it if it remains the same you know if if everybody let's let's if if Georgia goes undefeated you know obviously beats Bama you're not jumping Georgia Michigan goes undefeated I don't think you can you you can move them above Michigan if Ohio State goes undefeated you can't move them above Ohio State Florida State remains if anybody of these undefeated teams you can't move them above the undefeated team all right so if if everybody if you look at these one loss teams Georgia if you're one loss is that one loss to Bama if yes, then I, I, I think you have the, 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 uh, the argument there to jump above. Michigan, if you've got one loss, well, if it's just one loss, that means you either lost to Penn State or Ohio State, but that also means you beat either Penn State or Ohio State, which that's, that's a top, you know, top ten win there between those two. Ohio State, same thing. If they're one loss, either they beat Michigan and they already beat Penn State – and so that means you just lost to Michigan. It, there's there's so many different scenarios here that if, if the stat, if, if you're undefeated you can't jump the Alabama over it right now.
1: We've got time for one more phone call here before the end of the hour. We go back to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line and Trent from Auburn, who's currently on the road, is with us. Trent, how are you this afternoon?
8: I'm doing pretty good. Uh, I'm kind of agreeing with a lot of things you say. The scenario that I see is if uh, Bama wins out and they, go to the, they have to win the West and they have to go to the championship, it's who do they face in that SEC East uh, champion. If they're facing Georgia and Georgia's you know, either a one loss <clears throat> or undefeated and Bama wins, then they're in. But if Bama's facing, like for some miracle reason, Mizzou or, or anybody else, then I don't think they got the firepower to jump like an undefeated team. You know, saying that you know the Pac-12 wins out, the Big Ten wins out, and Oklahoma or one-loss Texas win their division. I don't see them jumping jumping in that scenario. Right. Also, the ACC champ has to be undefeated as well.
1: Sure you know and we agree with that because again it's it's the optics of how alabama's looked this year they've not looked like a team that's just going to go throttle people they, they have it and, and even in these all these home games you know it, yes it was a dominant second half against tennessee if they played that way all the time that would be different but i mean you could very easily just kind of shift some venues of these games and say well what have happened if they'd gone back to knoxville this year and and that sort of thing so they just don't look impressive enough as you say to jump someone that on paper will have the same or better resume due to the fact that they would not have lost or they would have also had about the same amount of top 25 wins and that sort of thing because again the SEC is not necessarily at its strongest point right now and so that also aids into it a little bit so yeah no i had, again it's not some slight towards alabama but again they they have they they need one or two things to fall their way.
8: Yeah, but what's the chance of, of the SEC being excluded and completely out of the uh, championship playoff? Is what? there a scenario for that?
1: Yeah, I mean, that would be the scenario. If those things take status quo and Alabama beats Georgia in the title game, I don't think Georgia makes it uh, necessarily. Yeah. Beca- because I, I think that, again, the same logic would apply – that if you had, you know, undefeated Ohio State or Michigan would be over a one-loss Georgia and Alabama. And Florida State, same thing if they're undefeated. Washington, even even though it's weird to say Washington, same thing if they're undefeated because of the Pac-12 being stronger this year. And then you just question what would happen there in the Big 12. Is it undefeated Oklahoma? Is it one-loss Texas? And, and one-loss Texas has a great argument over Alabama because, well, they beat them on their field, but they yeah. they don't have that head-to-head argument over Georgia. So that would be more subject to opinion if it was yeah. one-loss Texas versus one-loss Georgia but but again I maintain if it's Texas versus Bama you can't disregard a 10-point game where Texas goes to Alabama and wins even if it is early in the season so yeah uh, yeah.
8: yeah so what I could see is I could see a one-loss Georgia SEC champion going ahead of Texas if Texas wins out you know it be, it'd be uh, that's the only scenario where I see where that a one-loss SEC jumps another uh, another winner, you know. Right. possibly an undefeated. And it has to be Georgia. It's because, you know, they got that defending national champion, you know, riding on you know, two, defending two time national championship riding on their uh, riding on their shoulders. Sure. Not necessarily I he would lose in rock, but you know, it's, it's their perhaps two seasons that'll that'll support that.
1: Sure. So yeah.
8: but I also wanna I wanna say thanks uh, to the Tiger um, you know, I got I won tickets uh, yesterday morning uh, from the uh, was it the uh, the weekday rush?
1: Yes, sir. From Mister
8: Chandler, and uh, I was actually in a uh, I was actually in kind of a bind. i made a promise to my son I'd take him to the old Miss game, and uh, <laughs> that day I, my uh, tickets had fallen through. And lo and behold, Mister Chandler, uh, you know, gives me an opportunity, and I stuck it out. Listen to the radio, and bam, I want them. And so I wanted to say thanks. uh, Let me keep my promise and my word to my little boy uh, for being good in school and uh, going through some tough times and, uh, you know, earning those tickets. I just wanted to say thanks. And I even got a picture of him uh, wearing uh, his T-shirts and stuff like that in the stadium. I'm going to probably share with you guys online. But I want to say thanks to you guys for uh, for making my making my dreams come true.
1: Absolutely, man. Well, we absolutely love to hear that and we certainly appreciate you for listening in and we're uh, glad that uh, you, you ended up getting those tickets and, and had a good time with your son. That's awesome. Yeah,
8: just can't say enough. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. Love the show. Uh, wish you all the best. And War
1: Eagle. War Eagle, absolutely. That is Trent from Auburn who's on the road right now calling in on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line and really certainly appreciate Trent for, for listening to us and uh, that was a great story there and Certainly love to hear that. We are out of time here for the second hour of the program. We'll have uh, a little bit uh, of run over of commercials here. That is A-OK. But when we come back, Sports Call 5 at 5, presented by Southeastern Land Group. And, again, on the other side, we'll have a little bit more on football and squeeze in just a little bit of NBA today as the National Basketball Association gets back underway tonight for the 23-24 season. You're listening to the Tuesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 we we'll
0: Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started.
1: Third and final hour of Sports Call starting right now. Just a little bit late here to start this 5 o'clock hour, appreciate all those that are tuned in. However, you may be listening to Sports Call today or after the fact on the Sports Call podcast. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, Tom Peavy with you here. On this Tuesday, it's now time for the Sports Call 5 at 5. It's presented by Southeastern Land Group. John Harden and Brian Watts are your local land advisors with Southeastern Land Group. If you're looking to sell your land and get maximum exposure to potential buyers, your friends at Southeastern Land Group can help you with that. Call John Harden at 334-524-2756 or call Brian Watts at 334-707-4273 or find them online at selandgroup.com. All right, for the five at five today, going to weave in the NBA through this, as, uh, as promised, wanted to mention the situations for the Auburn basketball uh, alumni that are in the National Basketball Association. So let's do that for the Sports Call 5 at 5. Number 1 is JT Thor from the Charlotte Hornets. Year 3 for Thor trying to carve out a role with the Hornets. The Hornets still figure to be one of the worst teams in the NBA. So there are playing time opportunities. They have had some players come back like Miles Bridges this year, which do cloudy up that wing scenario. So Thor needing to shoot the ball a little bit better. We talked about and certainly saw in his time at Auburn a really unique ability for someone that big to look so f- uh, so so fluid uh, shooting jump shots. So he needs to make a little bit higher percentage of them this year to stick in the league. This is a big year for JT Thor. Number two. Number two in the Sports Call 5 at 5 presented by Southeastern Land Group is Chuma Okiki. Speaking of big forwards with shooting strokes, Chuma Okiki did not have a a rookie contract extension signed uh, with the deadline approaching last night Uh, last night was the deadline for guys that had their rookie deals expiring to sign an extension and so chuma will be a free agent for this year and so it's very important that he plays well he's another guy that's been underwhelming in the nba and he again he has struggled to shoot he's been a low 30% three-point guy for the majority of his time in the NBA, we know that he is capable of more of that. He is a pretty good defender. The Magic started to find that out last year. Uh, but the Magic have a plethora of young players, again, on the wing and down low. So Kiki could get lost in the shuffle if he does not hit shots early this year. And, again, being a free agent after this year, going to be very important for him uh, to be able to have a good start to the year and just a good year overall to have him be able to maintain in the NBA. Number three is Isaac Okoro, and you're sensing a theme with Auburn guys in the NBA. Isaac Okoro needs to shoot it and play a little bit better offensively. His numbers are a little better from a efficiency standpoint. Now, I would say that a lot of that is based on the fact that all of his threes are always open, and that's still a percentage that the Cavs don't really love because. Uh, He shot two years ago. Isaac Coro shot the most open threes in the entire NBA. Uh, And he shot like 36, 35%, which again on the surface is not a bad percentage. It's league average or thereabouts. But if you're, Shooting literally the most open threes, you need to be above average. You need to be in the good territory. So, Okoro is still trying to work on that offensive game. He certainly has his moments around the rim as a slasher. He is a good defender, but the Cavs did sign Max Struess from the Eastern Conference champion, Miami Heat, and Gorgeous Niang uh, from Iowa State, who is a pretty good shooter as a stretch four. So, uh, they, need, they need him to make a few more shots or otherwise his replacements there would probably be Struce or Niang because they can shoot a little bit better. They also have good post defense already because of Evan Mobley and Jared Allen. So Okoro's defense not necessarily valued as much on that Cavs team. He needs the kick some offense and the gear next up on the sports call five at five presented by southeastern land group number four we go into last year's rookies walker kessler who had a tremendous season with utah unexpectedly tremendous season i've listened to several nba podcasts over the last weeks and when they talk about previews of teams and they talk about big guys you'd be surprised how often walker kessler's name comes up it comes up a lot he was a revelation for the Jazz some could argue he was almost as good as Rudy Gobert was immediately Uh, so he uh, did a really good job of rim protecting still sort of limited he's still not going to step out to the perimeter yet although it'll be interesting to see if he ever develops that into his game Uh, but he is still a force around the rim great screener And a great, great uh, shot blocker. And so he figures to have a nice role in Utah again in year two. And again, be someone that the Jazz look towards being a part of the long term plans. And last up on the sports column, five at five, presented by Southeastern Land Group. Number five. Of course, Jabari Smith, the number three overall pick in the draft, coming into year two here. Smith uh, got off to a sluggish start. Again, that's the theme, it seems, for a lot of Auburn players that were struggling offensively out of the gates. He certainly was. Some of that, though, if you watch the Rockets, was because Kevin Porter Jr. and Jalen Green were not particularly interested in distributing the ball. And they like to dribble, 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 step back three, dribble, 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 layup, dribble, 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 dribble. And in no time did I say pass in that equation. And those are guards, and they should be doing that from time to time. So Jabari kind of had trouble finding his way early on, did not shoot the three well. However, the last 30 games or so, post-All-Star break, he was starting to become more efficient, get more involved, still average double figures, had a hell of of a summer league if you watched any of that he was awesome in the summer leagues Scored 20 25 points a game and so there is uh, optimism that with a new coach ime udoka the former coach of the boston celtics uh, having a tougher mentality towards his players a more disciplined approach that there's going to be more creation uh involved for other players including jabari fred van vliet was brought in from houston uh, from toronto excuse me to be a point guard that although he doesn't necessarily pass a lot either he at least is a professional and understands the timeliness of things so thought to be a little bit more distributing in houston and so hoping for a big year out jabari obviously he's already good rebounder, good defender but still looking for a little bit more offensive prowess from the mid-range and from the perimeter so hoping for that this year from jabari smith that is the sports call five at five presented by southeastern land group five auburn players in the NBA, getting set for the 2023-24 NBA season. I'll spend one more brief minute on the NBA before I lose the attention of all uh, and just say excited about the season. I'm still here. Thank you, Brooks. Uh, Tom Questionable, uh, TBD. Uh, I'm here. Uh, here <coughs> so you won't get fined. Um, but just just a minute or two on it. Looking forward to this year. Um, I, I think there are about four teams, maybe five that could win the West. think there's about three teams that win the east and you know that's maybe not a ton but i think there's still a lot of great storylines even from teams four through six or seven in the east and then teams you know six through about nine or ten like for example new orleans zion williamson took the college basketball world by storm a few years ago if he's healthy new orleans could be fifth best team in the west or so brandon ingram and uh, CJ McCollum, Jose Alvarado, Herb Jones, etc. Or if he is going to play, you know, New Orleans cuisine again, then New Orleans might be a play-in team. They may not even make the play-in.
2: Raising Cane's is good, man. Uh,
1: it is, uh, and and look, Cajun food's good, but you're a professional athlete. You need to lay off of it to some degree. And also, have you ever seen? I, there are some times that people will divulge their diets. and they we eat do it all the time so, on the show. The, well, yeah, but, but athletes divulge their diets. And some of them are, like, cr- you know, crazy healthy and all that. Some of them, though, like, eat the whole, like, restaurant worth of food. I, I guess it's more football players that do that, but some of them are like, yeah, I ate two steaks, three baked potatoes, uh, seven seven uh, sides of broccoli. Then it had uh, two pieces of cake, five packs of Skittles, and uh, you know one ice cream sundae. And it's just like I, I don't know how you consumed all that, and I and half of that's not good for you. So I don't know how we're doing this, uh, honestly. But it, what I'm saying is there's a capacity to eat and still be professional athlete, and and Zion has been going over that th- threshold in New Orleans, and so. That's an interesting storyline from a team that's not really going to contend for the title this year, but still has a long range of outcomes. So looking forward to something like that. Um, But again, the games tonight, I'm not going to spoil the complete TV guide, but uh, you, you have all Western Conference teams, and I think those are the four... I would say those are the four teams that could win the West. Like, you can talk yourself into maybe... I don't know a really healthy Clippers. Although I would tell you it's the Clippers; they're not going to be healthy. And then I, like I said, you can tell yourself a good regular season again coming from Sacramento, from New Orleans. What about Memphis? Uh, even though John Morant suspended for the first twenty-five games of the year, whatever. There's a lot of good teams, but I think those were the four. If that was the conference, if that was the conference semis, I think everyone would take it right now. And I think uh, I think that would be fair to to guess. Although we know sports don't always go according to plan, but um, I don't know, Brooks, any thoughts on the NBA seasons, man, what are you well, looking forward to?
2: Well, I was going I was going to put my seeing as I did it yesterday, I was going to put my host hat on here yeah for, for a second. Uh, day one of the NBA obviously nothing's tipped off yet. <laughs> Who's your finals?
1: Use the finals? Yeah. That's fair. No, we should do this with major sports. We should we should have even done it for hockey, even though we know nothing. No, no, collectively, we know a third of what we need to know to be able to accurately pick that. But NBA, at least, we follow more. I, I love the NBA. I know I know. Tom is not watching. I know Brooks, you watch it from time to time. It, yeah. it depends what, what game and how I get late. more
2: locked yeah. in when the playoffs get here. Sure. But I, I have been known to to watch it uh, at least once a week and then a, attend a game sure. every once in a while.
1: I just think if Boston doesn't win the East, they've had malpractice of some sort. They, they already should have won it, in my opinion, last year, and they let a Miami team that's just way higher on chemistry but way less in talent just outwill them and just outdesire them. Um, so I thought, they I thought they were the best team last year. I, I still think they're the best team this year, and I think it might be even a wider margin. I think it's Milwaukee who's second. The Damian Lillard thing is important. But look, Milwaukee's perimeter defense now, I'm not sure it's there. They, they lose Drew Holiday to the Celtics because he was in the trade to Portland, and then Portland traded him over to Boston, which was, a du- which was a whammy for Milwaukee. Dame's awesome offensively, and Giannis is awesome. He's a good, good two, two-way player. Chris Milton seems to be a little bit of a shell of himself. And I just think that they're a little shorthanded because – they're gonna have to match up with Tatum, and Jalen Brown, and Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday will be able to be someone really reputable to guard Damian Lillard. You've even got the X factor of Porzingis in there, who had a really good year for Washington. I know it's a bad team, but Porzingis went healthy. There's still there's still something there, and he's still in his twenties. Not like he's ancient. Uh, I think Boston for the world should win the East. West, man. I don't know. It's hard to go against Denver. I think the Lakers are right there. There are some more variables there because of their age and their health. Like it's still at the end of the year, LeBron, A D have to be healthy. Period. End of discussion. If one of them's not, they can't beat Denver. If they're both healthy, they're neck and neck. I think they did good things in the offseason. They had a they some people questioned the D'Angelo Russell signing. I think that was purely as trade bait to be able to trade that contract around the trading deadline if they need to. Uh, They brought in Gabe Vincent, who's a winning player from the Heat. So he's about the culture. Uh, I like their athleticism with Vanderbilt. I I think they're really good. It's just Jokic is the big version of Curry. He's a unicorn. There's nothing quite like him. And I remember last year in the postseason, and I promise I'll shut up right after this. (laughs) I'm just really passionate about it. This is my one chance. I remember last season posting when Golden State played Sacramento that people said, oh, look, Sacramento's like the baby Warriors. One or two more years, and and they're going to start to become the Warriors. I didn't agree with that because I think it was already present. I think it's Denver. Because when you look at what Curry was for and what still is for Golden State, he is his own unicorn. We usually talk about unicorns as these 6'11", 7-foot players that somehow run like a 6-footer but then dunk and then shoot and, and do all these weird things. But Curry's the best small player in the history of the NBA. He's the best player under 6'5 that's ever played. Uh, all the other all-time greats, no matter where you put Curry, whether you have him in his top 10 or not, all-time, all the people ahead of him, Jordan 6'6", Kobe 6'6", Shaq feet, Wilt 7'2", or whatever. Larry Bird was big. Magic Johnson was big. LeBron 6'8", 6'9". All these guys, Hakeem Olajuwon, Tim Duncan, they're all big players. Curry's the best small player ever. He can do the most things as a little player anyone's ever been able to do. Jokic, as a 7-footer, has the most guard skills that a 7-footer's ever had. He just can put a step in three. He just dribbles, can dribble up the court. He looks kind of like a flailing walrus, (laughs) and then all of a sudden, boom, here's a three in your face. Or here's a 10-assist game. Or here is... I'm going to press the tempo and throw an alley-oop to somebody else. Usually the seven-footer catches the alley-oop. No, he'll throw it to Michael Porter Jr., Aaron Gordon. And so he is a unicorn in that there is no one quite with those with that skill set that that's that big and that cumbersome. So it's hard for me to pick against them. I think Denver's going to go on a bit of a run this year. I, I I know it's not exciting to pick the team that won it last year, but I'm going Denver and Boston. And I'll take Denver again. I, I just I, I I'm in that space with Denver. I think they're a little undervalued because they don't play in a big market, but I think they're going to go on a pretty good run for the next four to five years. Yeah.
3: Right. I'll tell you the most exciting thing for me. I'm looking forward to with the NBA season. What's that? For it being over somewhere between June 6th and June 20th. NBA Finals. Yeah, Then, yeah. then it's over.
1: So you will you'll watch the final. Oh no, you just want it to be over. Yeah. I mean, I'll watch the finals, sure. Okay, just please just watch the finals. I'll watch <laughs> the, the finals. That'll, that'll make me happy. Yeah.
2: So, 22 minutes ago, an uh, NBA reporter for the uh, <clears throat> for the Athletic, Sham Sarania, yep, sent out the NBA title odds for entering the season from uh, FanDuel, Sport, FanDuel Sportsbook. Uh, it is the first time since the start of 2008 that neither a LeBron nor a Steph led team will claim one of the top two spots in the preseason NBA championship. Okay. Odds. Who are the top two and odds? The top two, it's... Uh, well, technically, if you want to go, it's the top two are tied at plus 380, okay. the Celtics and Bucks.
1: Okay. We're then good. the other
2: two right there at plus 550 is the Nuggets and Suns. Okay. So technically, if you wanted to go with one, one and two... The top two odds are four teams that all both have the two of the same. And I
1: and I would say that probably Milwaukee's up there and Boston because they feel the teeth in the East is a little lesser. Like once you get and, and by the way, on paper, Miami still doesn't stack up. It still doesn't make any sense on paper. It's just mm. they will themselves to be a better team and they're great. Their their coach is awesome. Spulfers awesome. But then other than that, you start going to unless Philly. You're gonna trust James Harden all of a sudden. He won't even play. He doesn't want to play there. He won't be on the Sixers. He either will not be playing, or they will just make him sit and rot there. Or, or he will play and he'll choke in the playoffs. Like it doesn't. It really doesn't matter. They, they, they won't win with Harden. Um, who else? Atlanta. They were kind of underwhelming last year. I mean, they, they, they've got offense. Can they get Trey off the ball a little bit more? That DeJounte-Murray-Trey Young pairing, can that work more efficiently? I think Quinn Snyder's a good coach. I think he's better than Nate McMillan, so I think it's got a better chance. But I still think they've got too many problems to go in the championship contention. I think they'll make playoffs. But are they going to take a step into an elite tier this year? I, I don't I don't really see why that would happen unless one or two of their wings and, and forwards like Kongwu and Griffin – Became, like, absolute dude. Like, tw- Griffin became a young Chris Middleton and a Kong Wu became, you know, a, a, a top eight or nine center. Unless those things happen, I I don't see why they would have the teeth. Is there anybody else even near the odds
2: Um, So, in the East, in the, East the next one is the Cavs at plus 2,400.
1: Okay. I mean, like, like that's a good regular season team. They'll win games. Mitchell's great. Uh, again, the big guys are good. Need more out of Coro this year garland's fun but they got housed by the knicks i guess the knicks would be the other one you know they got housed by the knicks they were not physical enough for as good of a defensive team as they were last year in the regular season you would thought oh defense equates to being physical no i mean uh, new york shoved them under the basket shoved them in (laughs) shoved them into the tunnel and shoved them out the door (laughs) i mean that they just moved them around in the postseason last year and so they've got to be more physically strong they just do and then for new york i don't trust Randall the postseason i think jalen brunson's good but i think if brunson and julius Randle your two best guys it's not good enough i think they're pretty well coached i think they've got a good style um they they play hard they have an identity but just brunson's good brunson's way better than i thought he was in dallas but Brunson and Reynolds, your two best players. Not good enough to win the title.
2: There so. are eight teams tied for the worst odds in the in to win the championship. Ooh, Charlotte, all at plus fifty thousand. Charlotte. Yep. We can do this, Portland. Uh. Yep. Um.
1: I think there's probably. One, I don't. I don't want to go bignani yet. Hang on, Pistons.
2: Yes. Unfortunately for Keith. Yeah.
1: Uh, I. Yeah. Again, I told him it was ambitious, but hey, <laughs> I respect it. I, I know TP Hammock likes the Pistons too. Yep. There's got to be more East teams. Um. Washington,
2: for yes. sure. Washington's awful.
1: Yeah. Uh, Jordan Poole scored 30 games, and they might, they might win 20 games. Um, I've got four so far? Yes. Okay. Uh, Orlando? Yes. Okay, three more. Yep. How many more East and West teams? You have are you out of it? East. So The, oh, uh, the final rest three, are West three? The final three are in the West. Okay, Surely san Antonio, then. Yep. Okay. I know is fun, but San Antonio's not many good this year. Um. Two more West. Houston. Yes. Houston's going to be bad. A lot of young talent, but still bad. One more. Oh, do I go Utah? I love Kessler. They missed the playoffs last year. Yeah, I think it'd be Utah. It is Utah. Okay. All right. We did it.
2: And then for the locals, those are around, all the sucky teams. For the locals around here, the Hawks are tied with four teams with their odds at plus thirteen thousand. The Bulls, Raptors, Nets, and Hawks are all at plus thirteen thousand. See, I title. would have been tempted
1: to put Bulls in there because they're a, a franchise without direction. They're kind of st- st- uh, stuck in the middle there. But I guess the middle's still better than the bottom. But uh, yeah, man. Again, I, won't, I, I know I've been chatting everyone's ears off, and I've gone longer than I meant to. But do you, do you have a title pick?
2: If you told me to nail one down right now, I think I'd go. I, I think I would go Celtics Nuggets. Yeah. Um, and I want to see. Part of me just wants to pick the Celtics because sure. if they don't do it this year, it's just like when will yeah. they? Yeah. The take team advantage could start it? to break up. Yeah. And so I, I just you know if, if you told me to pick a champion right now, I think it's here's what I'll say. If you told me to pick a champion now, I say it's either the the Bucks or the the Celtics slash either the Cel- the Nuggets or the Suns, and You would uh, you would have a hard time, uh, or you you would have a good time picking (laughs) any of those four teams to win the title this year. I I think I I, I, if you told me to pick one, the Celtics probably just because I I think that they've got to they've got to figure it out this year, or else it it may not be uh, one that they can figure out. And I don't
1: trust Mizzou. I thought Mizzou was actively bad as a head coach. Like when you're a professional head coach, I don't think there's a lot of ways to be obviously good or obviously bad. But he found a way to be obviously bad last year. Like he. They did not change their style whatsoever. They just he just did some weird things, man. He just he did some weird things. Uh, substitutions were off. I didn't even play the right player. I felt like Derek White should have played more for them, and that's another good player they have. Like again, on paper, that team should win the East. Period. That they are they are still better than Milwaukee. I know everyone's gonna love Giannis and Dame Lillard, but on on, on paper, that team should win, and it should not be particularly close, even. And, in my opinion, but yeah, I'm still picking against them in the in the actual title series because I think Malone's better than Missoula and Jokic is still going to be a problem. And I, you know, again, I I think that they still could get more out of Michael Porter Jr. I don't I think he's still a little hot and cold, but if he kind of realizes his space, he's a six eleven guy that can shoot effortlessly. We saw we didn't get to see him much at Missouri, but I mean, he was he's he's a real deal. So. They're going to be really good, and it's going to be very difficult to deal with those, those two teams. But this, the Phoenix thing, the last thing I'll say is Phoenix, on paper too, a lot of fun. Bradley Beal, Devin Booker, and Kevin Durant, yes, but also get a stop at some point. You're going to have to play defense, and only Booker and Durant are average defenders. They're really not above average. Beal's not particularly good at all. And there's the health piece, which I hate to keep going back to that. You say, oh, you can't make health an excuse for all these teams. Well, in the NBA, yeah, you can. In football, you can survive a couple injuries as long as it's not quarterback in most cases. But in basketball, you get two injuries, your top four players, good luck. It's over. I mean, it it just is. And so and Durant has missed 30 games or more, I think five of the last six seasons. And Bradley Beal has been a pretty oft injured player who's, by the way, probably not playing tonight against Golden State in the opener. So already they're on alert. And th- that's my problem is that I just, the defense on the basketball side of things, where they get their stops, and then do they gain enough health to get a good seed and be healthy at the right time? So I'm really excited about it. I know you couldn't tell from the last <laughs> 25 minutes of programming, and I will now send it to break, shut up about it. We'll dig up some NBA from time to time throughout the year. I certainly love the league, love basketball. We'll check in on the Auburn guys throughout, but the NBA does start tonight. All right, when we come back from this timeout, we'll get back on the football side of things. Michigan. They're a really good football team, and they know what's coming next. So you know that coming up next, we'll talk Michigan, and we'll talk about the more more revealing last 24 hours from what's been uh, being reported about the Wolverines. That's coming up next. You're listening to the Tuesday edition of Sports Call, Tiger 95.9.
0: Sports Call is on the air weekdays from 3 until 6 p.m.
3: If you're currently driving in a four-door sedan, roll up the windows and turn up the radio.
0: We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Want more Sports Call? Check us out online at sportscallauburn.com.
1: Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm and the Tiger Communications app. Brian LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and Tom Peavy with you here on this Tuesday edition of the program. All right, let's talk a little football, however, not necessarily on the football field. Michigan. They're good this year. They've not really played anybody, but they're a weapon the teams are playing. They're taking care of everybody. They took care of Michigan State. That was the game that we aired on FM Talk 93.9 this past weekend. Have you heard that bludgeoning? <laughs> but the story continues to be Michigan Stafford Connor Stallions. So report yesterday from Pete Thamel. I don't believe you guys discussed this yesterday, right?
2: We did not. Okay.
1: Mm-hmm. Connor Stallions bought tickets for more than 30 games at 11 big Ten schools over the past three years. Also video evidence of sideline taping is expected to be sent to the NCAA this week caught by stadium surveillance this year. so this year so actively doing it this year. Guys uh, is this a uh, cough coffin nail open shut close or open and shut case? And if it is, what should the penalties be?
2: You see, the the thing is, is that's a double whammy because one, you're not allowed to go do off-campus scouting. You're not you're not allowed to go to other games to scout, and then two, you're not supposed to use you you cannot use uh, audio or video tools to uh, film the the signs on the other team. So that's a double whammy right there. that's that's two violations for one trip and that then you you look at then you have to piece together how many games this person went to, how many times this happened and that's a violation each and every one of those. listen this it, it's not going to get to the level I, I, I was listening to a, a report on this last week even before all this came out. it's not going to get to the SMU level, which was death penalty. Obviously oh, yeah. like they're not going to get to death penalty. But, but it's going to get bad. It could get really bad for, for Michigan. If they if, – if, you know, you called them the, the turtle boys up there at, uh, at NCAA, NCAA or, offices, yeah. earlier, but if they – they've got a chance here to to do something, and I think we mentioned last week, to do something that they, in the NCAA world, think they probably need to do, and that's regain some control. They're, they're, it's an organization that, you know, we've talked about it on the show before, that they're reaching for stuff. Like when, when you're out here, when colleges are out here asking Congress to get involved in, in proceedings over your, your sport, that means you're not doing a good job. If you're going to the federal government and asking them, hey, help regulate this, that the NCAA can't get a hold of, of some things, this is an opportunity. They've got a door open where they could really you know, put their foot down and say, you are still governed by us. Y'all don't govern yourselves. The federal government doesn't govern you; we govern you. I mean, technically, the federal government does govern them, but like, <laughs> you know what I mean. And there's a chance if they move quick if they move quicker than what they normally do, where we don't hear about you know the punishment uh, till a year from now, that they Michigan could go undefeated and get uh, left out of the playoffs because of the NCAA.
3: Yeah, uh, so I, I think where the NCAA you know you'll see something come about from this and it's where it's different from some of the recruiting violations that everybody talks about is this is just blatant cheating um a blatant breaking of the rules and there is a lot of evidence of it there's now video you can actually see uh from last year's ohio state game uh ohio state's at the line and they back up off the line and look to their sideline to get plays and you can actually see uh the Stallions guy and he's standing right next to the defensive coordinator and he's got a a, a set of sheets in his hand and they all start looking at the sideline and then immediately you see him look at the sheet and they all all the players and coaches start pointing in the air doing the hand signal of what Ohio State was doing and so is showing that they know that now they've got blown up pictures of this of the sheet and it's actually got the hand signals all on there so they Michigan can't say that. Oh, he was just doing scouting it, well no i mean a you're not supposed to do that that's that's against the rules first of all you can't say that it was never used or anything like that i mean there's actual video of you using it on the field they're in trouble um they i mean it's a it's this is a blatant cheating scandal now i also understand uh dion sanders said something about this and some of the other folks have said something about it is even if you know what's happening, you still got to stop it. Well, okay, yeah, cool. I, I get that. However, y- you give yourself an advantage by knowing what's about to happen, whether you know it's about oh, to be a 100%. pass play, whether yeah. it's about to be a run play. Sure, you have to stop it. But when you know what's about to happen, then you already have an advantage, and you're taking advantage of blatant rules violations that are clearly stated things that you can and cannot do. Michigan has done these things that are illegal. So – they're in trouble um this is going to definitely call some people jobs if i had to guess this is just my speculation on this is that uh that harbaugh at the end of the year steps down and takes an nfl job somewhere yeah uh just to kind of kind of kind of a kind of uh, uh, like what pete carroll did you know pete carroll the 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 ship was sinking there at Southern Cal. The NCAA was about to hammer down on them with the whole Reggie Bush and everything else that was going on at Southern Cal. And Pete Carroll's like, you know what, I'm going to dip on out of here and go get jump into the NFL before, you know, this hits too much. Harbaugh's probably going to do the same thing. There's been a rumor for years now about him taking an NFL job. I think ultimately he'll, at the end of the year, he'll resign, uh, take an NFL job, and then, you know, the punishment, then it's going to be Unfortunately, on all the players that are there who, right, were not part of it necessarily, other than they got it, took advantage of it. But uh, you know, there will there will be there will definitely be some stuff come about from this, uh, you know, whether it be bowl bans or what. But that's just how I figure that's going to end up happening. I, I figure it's going to end up being Harbaugh's last year at Michigan because of it. So I read
1: today that again, the NCAA is not likely to get a ruling out before the end of this year again they're they're incredibly slow in some instances you can get it because they're trying to get every fact before they pass down judgment but and what you need to do but also then they pass down judgment and I was like what all of that you, you you studied this for two years for like two less scholarships or a four game suspension really you know like, like you just the 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 punishment doesn't seem to fit the crime uh, oftentimes, and especially with how long they take on it. So I've read, though, that the Big Ten can still step in. And, of course, and it's not shock you, but the other 13 Big Ten schools are not happy and are going to potentially put some pressure on the Big Ten to do something about this. And, look, here's what I want to have happen. I want Michigan to not go to any postseason this year. Period. If you're cheating for this team, then I want to know now. I don't want to know after the fact. Right. If you have time and you know they're doing it this year, which the evidence suggests they absolutely were, they need to be ruled ineligible now. Nobody wants for Michigan to go through this, go win a Big Ten title or whatever, go to a playoff, take up a playoff spot, even if they win the title. Do you really want a tainted title? You want them to win the title and then have it taken from them in two years?
3: Right. Well, why well, Everybody has to put an asterisk by it. Yeah,
1: yeah, and I don't want to deal with that. It, you may find enough now to know that they should not be able to participate this year. And... That will change the dynamic, I know. And it'll suck for those kids that genuinely didn't know. But, by the way, I think they can put two and two together. I think those kids know. (laughs) Like, I think, you know, if the coach is looking at sheets and figuring out, like, hey, trust me, guys. Trust me, DNs. Trust me, linebackers. If I'm doing this, I promise you they're passing. And then they're never wrong. You're never going to ask questions about that. You're just going to say, oh, yeah, my coach is really smart. I think a lot of players probably knew about it too. And so I don't I don't really you can't kind of abstain them from this punishment. Now what's going to suck is this is a this is a bad enough crime uh, in college football that this will impact future teams too. It will impact the players that maybe did not do anything. But there are certain punishments or or certain crimes and certain things that go above and beyond just one year of teams. And so, when you've been doing this for three years as it appears, and have done it with multiple kinds of violations, cheated in multiple ways, then it needs to be a huge punishment. I'm sorry. You cannot... I'm not good with cheating. We We talk about recruiting and we talk about The things that teams do and how now basically most of it's legal but they're still shady things and you and you just kind of have to look the other way sometimes on the field stuff is completely different in my opinion and you can say sure absolutely michigan still be undefeated they would be no one on that schedule would have beaten them and you can say oh the way michigan beat ohio state so easily they still would have won anyway last year fine I I don't need to get into a shouting match with you on that. But that's not the point. The point is they gained a competitive advantage through something that was illegal. And you have to be punished for cheating the game. It's not sportsman. It's not legal. It's not allowed. And it's overall jeopardizing towards the integrity of those games played. And so, you know, look, they're not – they should not get a death penalty or go full SMU on them, but they should be ineligible for multiple years. I would probably say if you could spit out the punishment in time, they should be ineligible for the postseason this year and two more years. They cheated for three years, you're ineligible for three years. Yep. That, that's how I would look at that. Uh, and then there would be some scholarship reduction. There would be something for Har- Harbaugh because well, either he knew – and he's absolutely complicit in this, and he, he needs to get a huge show cause, or he's an idiot and doesn't know what's going on in his own program, and for that, you're responsible for knowing what's going on in your program, you still should get something. So either way, he should be penalized, and Michigan should be penalized for multiple years, in my opinion.
3: Well, he can't say he didn't know what's going on because he's literally standing on the sidelines. Oh, yeah. while yeah. They've got the sheet with the hand signals and yeah. everybody pointing out the signals that Ohio State's doing. I mean, this is on video. He, he's standing right there. So he can't say he didn't know what's happening. He's right there while it's happening. He knows it's happening. They're in trouble. Yep. They're, they're in big trouble. Yep.
2: The interesting thing here is the Big Ten is in a, in a predicament now because like you said the Big 10 can step in and the Big 10 uh, the other Big 10 schools are mad and they want them they're probably going to want them to step in but the Big 10 has an op, has a, has an uh, you know like you said the incident doesn't move quick they've got a chance to get two teams in the playoff and get the one le- leg up on the SEC which is what they're always trying to do and this is the like you can uh, clearly a down year for the SEC this could be their best chance to either win a national championship with a Big 10 team or get an all Big Ten national championship and show it off before they expand next year.
1: Yeah, I just I don't uh, I don't think highly of that situation and necessarily even of that conference. So we'll see how it plays out. Uh, but that is certainly big news at Michigan. We'll talk more about it as the findings continue to come to light. Final minute of the show. Time for a nightly TV guide.
0: Our show is about to end. But we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide.
1: Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Brooks, what do we
0: have?
2: Well, we've got the plethora of sports, so only one movie pick for you this evening. 7.42 on Stars Encore. Brad Pitt's Fury. I don't know if anybody in here has seen it. It's a. It's about Brad Pitt stars as a tank commander in World War II. Phenomenal movie. I've, I watched it in theaters a few years back when it came out great movie i highly suggest it go watch it uh sports picks for you this evening as i said plethora of action for you 6 30 on espn Do- or espn you my bad uh some college football action tonight as liberty takes on western kentucky liberty still undefeated by the way on the year uh, they visit Western Kentucky. Big game right there in the Conference USA. NBA action for you tonight. The league is back. The association, it's a ball night. The association is back. All Western Conference teams starting at 630 on TNT. It's the Los Angeles Lakers visiting the defending champion Denver Nuggets. And then at seven thirty, uh, 9 o'clock on TNT, it's the Phoenix Suns visiting the Golden State Warriors. Uh, some baseball for you tonight. Another Game 7 for you at 7 o'clock on TBS. The Arizona Diamondbacks and the Philadelphia Phillies do battle. Who will face the Texas Rangers in the World Series? We'll find out in a matter of hours. Hockey is on action tonight. 7.30 on ESPN. The Bruins visit the Blackhawks. And that is your Nightly TV guy, brought to you by our friends at White Call Hard Seltzer.
3: Thank you very much for that. Brooks? I, I will say this, Auburn fans. Watch the Liberty game because that is a team that uh, some of the bowl projections have Auburn playing against. And we've seen how they do with a lot of bowl picks. If there's like a A common thing that they can match up like Hugh Freeze going against his old team, they'll try to do that. Well,
1: you know what? One I saw, I don't know, I've got Auburn versus UCF in the Gasparilla Gasparilla Bowl. Bowl. I've I've seen Auburn
3: Liberty in the Gasparilla Bowl.
1: Yep. So. fun things should be happening for Auburn's bowl matchup if they get there hopefully yeah. they do Brooks thank you for that TV guy and thank you for being here today we'll hear in the high school coaches show tomorrow yes sir and Tom Peavy thank you for being here we'll see you again tomorrow I'll be here enjoyed it that will do it for the show for today we want to say thank you to Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer for joining us and as always we appreciate all those that tuned in and called in for Brooks Childress and Tom Peavy my name is Ryan LaVoy have a great Tuesday night we'll talk to you again tomorrow